When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Back up. 
leaving the club. 6 a.m. She'll be ready to fuck. 7 a.m. She'll be out my house. Now all my niggas know what I'm speaking about. I'm trifling ass scallywags. Hold my coattail like we playing free tag. That's cold like no way sacks. Keep your mouth shut and get your mind right. I told you last night, big daddy, stay drunk tight. For me to get on the mic, folks, welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal, Ryan, and this is your Tuesday episode. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, you have now made it through 20% officially of the week. So, I mean, hats off. You did it, folks. Uh, I'm still in Arizona with my folks. I am uh, I am uh, podcasting from my my dad's little mini office that my mom made him. Uh, it used to be the kids' playroom, my niece and nephew, but she just changed the curtain. So now it's a, it's an office, she says. So, okay. Okay. So we've got an amazing show for you today. Aja Toure is here with us. And Aja, if you don't know who that is, you should know who that is. Because she is on a show that I talk about uh, the last couple of weeks, Real Girlfriends in Paris on Bravo TV. Now, I say this multiple times during the interview, and I've chastised me and the audience as well, is that we need to turn up for these shows. We need to turn up so we do not put ourselves in a position where we do not get a second season. We need to grow. Listen, I was helping my mother garden today because I'm a man and, um, you know, I was helping her rebed the soil or what, I don't know. She was just telling me to put dirt here and there. And I was like, okay. And I just lifting the heavy bag. Um, but you, you gotta, you gotta plant seeds and then you gotta form the roots and then, and then it grows and grows and grows, but you can't just, 
You can't just grow it for one season and then rip it out. You need to keep it growing so magical things can happen. And I think Real Girlfriends in Paris is just great. I talked about it with Lex Nico on the Monday episode. Wasn't that a fun episode? Love Lex. Um, I talked about it in the sense of it's just this really in-between show where it's not as ridiculous to me as Gallery Girls was, but it's but it, it it still has this charm about it, this humor about it, but you can take it seriously. But at the same time, there are these very humorous moments like these aren't completely vapid idiot females. I would say the same thing with males, too, you know, but I'm saying that's what it's not something that you're con- consistently making fun of these women. Like I was rooting for these girls, some of them, some of them I wasn't, but that's between you and me. But Aja, I was definitely rooting for. So we get to talk to her today. Very excited uh, to do that. And remember, there are timestamps. I, I always want to train the audience because I know there's a lot of people that come at any point to this show and they're like, what the heck did I just hear? I heard a song and it's da, da, da. So remember you can skip past the song with a timestamp. You can go right to Aja with the timestamp, or this is what, you know, we're like, uh, we're like Burger King. You do it. You, you know, we do it your way or do it. I don't You know what? To be honest, I haven't had Burger King in a while, so I don't know what their slogan was, but I think it had something to do with doing it your way. And that's how I want you to listen to this show. If you feel like a recap of Salt Lake city first, Use the timestamp because we're going to do that, baby. We're going to do that taint scene in the bathtub. And I've I've taken Gaviscon and some tummy mats <laughs> because I'm just so I'm, I'm petrified to revisit that moment with Seth and Meredith in the bathtub from Salt Lake City. But guess what? I'm a professional podcaster and that's what I do. And I do it for you guys. And I hope at night when you say your prayers, I hope you say a little prayer for <laughs> For Ryan, that he's hanging in there mentally, having to watch this scene with Meredith and Seth in a bathtub, where Seth's like, don't touch my taint with your toe. Come on, buddy. Um, So we'll do that today. So it is a jam-packed show. We have a jam-packed week. And remember, you can listen to these podcasts at any time. This is not day and date only. You can listen to them however you want to listen to them. That's the amazing thing that we have in this format we call podcasting. Today, you guys, I'll share with you, share this with you. I got to talk to Sarah Edmondson and Nippy from a little bit culty podcast. You also might recognize their names from the docu series The Vow on HBO. Season two is airing right now, and that uh, episode will be out this next Tuesday because the season finale of The Vow will be next Monday. And I was so looking forward to this interview, and I am so so thrilled that we got to do it. And I. I, you know, there are certain, inter- I, I love doing all the interviews, but there are certain ones that I get, I'm always at like a baseline nervous. Like there's always nerves in my body at in, like, even if I'm not interviewing, if I interview like anybody, I'm just nervous, but these guys I was especially nervous for. And I just really respect the journey that they've gone through, uh, escaping Nixium. I respect their relationship. I respect what they're doing with the podcast. They have a fantastic podcast called A Little Bit Culty, which I think everybody should check out. And their guests are blowing me away this season. So that'll be next week, just to give you a little tease. But I had the best time with them. But it's a thing where sometimes you constantly with this pod, it's it's all pressure I put on myself, but you always feel like it's the night before a final and you're hoping that your brain has retained the information that you have studied all semester. So it's, you know, it's like I'm helping my mom garden. And then I had to come in and, you know, do do more prep, you know, like go over all the notes that I had taken over the last month. And the interview then, it, it, if you 
I mean, I was like, if you guys don't mind, do you mind if I tell you a little bit about the process? And I'm like, well, I guess I can because it's my podcast. But so it's it's all, you know, my acting teacher used to say that you put all the preparation into your work so you can then throw it all away when you go into that audition or when you do the actual work, the acting. You throw all that preparation away because you want to get as comfortable as you can so you aren't on top of it. Like I've been guilty sometimes of being too excited in a podcast. Oh, definitely. I get so excited. But you want to be able to at some point be able to take your foot off the gas and just kind of go and see where the conversation takes you. And that's what I love the most is that when you finish an interview and you're like, wow, I didn't even hit half these things that I was going because the conversation actually just flowed. And in those moments, your mind gets naturally excited and you're like, oh, oh, I want to, I want to talk to you about this, or I want to talk to you about that. And it truly is that kind of really gratifying moment. Um, Even when it doesn't, even when it's not going perfectly, it's still gratifying when you can kind of just have a conversation with anybody, let alone a podcast. I mean, guys, pat yourself on the back if you're able to have a conversation just with your family day to day. That's even, but it, it's so fun. But it is that perpetual feeling of always getting ready for a final because I take this seriously. You know, with Aja, I was looking at her, like her friends giving list, which she had this past weekend. So I hope that went well. We recorded this on Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday of this past week. Uh, but she was just delightful as she is in the television show. Um, I am going to cut to Aja right now. Then we're going to come back. We're going to do two pop culture stories. Uh, one has something to do with Salt Lake City, and one is just something that's been on my mind. And uh, and then we'll call it a day. So are you guys ready to experience the magic of Aja? I think this, I mean, I love people where you're like, oh, I t- you talk to them, you're like, oh, I totally get why she was cast on this show. I totally get what makes her special. I And, and listen, Real Girlfriends in Paris are about a cast of women. You got Emily Gorlick, Anya Firestone, Victoria Zito, Margot Lignell, Casey Margot, and Aja Turi, which we're going to talk to today. And together they form the Real Girlfriends in Paris. But it is, it's like these six bold 20-something American women, and they are in Paris, the city of lights. And they find each other, they encounter a romantic rendezvous or two, and they kind of embrace the exciting city. And it's at that moment in your lives, you guys, where I remember this so long ago, where life could be anything, where you realized you had the options to travel, where you realized life is potentially what you could make out of it. And I mainly chose to lay in bed and watch TV, but that's on me. That's still my choice, my choice. But Real Girlfriends in Paris is the show. And like I say in this interview, it's so simple to stream shows with Bravo, you guys. Just go to any, like, you can go to any, like, go to Peacock, you can go to YouTube TV, you can go to DirecTV, and you can stream 10 episodes of this, and I'm telling you, do this over Thanksgiving, do this, like, show Bravo that this show is still getting numbers uh, even after the last episode aired, which is about a week and a half ago. So, without further ado, here she is, the one, the only, Aja Touré. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to iHeartRadio, So Bad It's Good. Today, we have somebody that I got to meet at BravoCon 
And it was this really interesting kind of experience because I had been like meeting Bravo Labs all day. And I was in this lobby bar and I was decompressing. And like right next to us was like realized I was in New Jersey. Across from me was Garcelle from Beverly Hills. And then there was this group of girls across from me and they looked like they were having the time of life. And I was looking like I have, I was having the time of my life, but I was by myself. And then I was like, she looks so familiar to me. And I was like, people just have that kind of star quality, I think. And then we ended up talking and it turns out, no, she is a star and on her way to be a bigger star because she is one of the stars of a show on Bravo that you need to watch. This is the this is why I'm doing this interview, you guys, because I had only watched one episode at the time I met her. And now I have binged the entire series because it's super easy to do they, with streaming, you guys. But we cannot have this be a one and done show. We need we can't have this be another gallery, girls. So I am making a public plea. She is coming on this show to show us how awesome she is. Aja Ture, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. What an intro. <laughs> I can keep going because by the way, you are not only, I mean, you're not only on the a reality, well, now you're a reality star, but I mean, you, what, you, did you graduate from like Cornell or something insane like that? Yeah, I graduated early, in fact, so even, oh, even smarter. So not, not just Cornell. <laughs> she wanted to make sure I knew it was early. And you guys, she has a, uh, what is it, LaBelle Cuisine? LaBelle Key Cuisine. Yeah, that's my Instagram food page. <laughs> Wait, say it one more. See, she's got the French thing down. Say that one more time for me again. LaBelle Key Cuisine. It means the pretty person who cooks. So of pretty course. fitting. Um. <laughs> So you guys, I, I, I'm going to ask her a bunch of questions, but I really need you to watch this show because there is a charm to this show. The first episode is kind of slow, but it sets up these Agreed. characters. But by the 10th and final episode, like they go to con. She's I mean, she I'm, we're going to find out where she is with this dude. I mean, she's finding out things about herself, but it's this kind of interesting. It captures this moment in these ladies in their early 20s, their lives and getting successful and all different types of women. And I thought there was just something so intriguing with the backdrop being Paris. But how did you end up? Because you're originally like you lived in New York before you went to Paris, right? Yeah, exactly. So I was living in Paris prior to no, I was living in New York prior to Paris. I was like, where was I? Um, So I was there for like four years. And then once the pandemic hit, I was ready to shake things up, talk to my therapist about it. She said, maybe you could move cities um, about two months later. Your therapist said, let's move cities potentially? Um, She was saying it as a suggestion. Um, One of the things I have to unpack is taking everything too literally because I told her very shortly afterward that I she was like, wait, wait, you're still going to keep me on though. Right. Like, even if you go to Paris, we're going to still talk. Right. We've since parted ways. (laughs) (laughs) Because I did not uh, enjoy her uh, advice. So you, you took her advice though. And you're during the pandemic, you did something unimaginable and you moved to Paris. Exactly. What were you thinking? Um, I mean, honestly, what were you thinking? Um, I was thinking, you know, I have family in Paris. I've been wanting to do this for a long time now that I was fully remote at my job and I had no, you know, sights on going back to the office. It made sense to me to just, you know, sublet my apartment, move to the city for like six months to a year, um, depending on what visa I got. So ended up with a really good deal and moved to Paris like within two months of making that decision. Now, I I mean, we, and, and when does that line up with filming? Like, and like, and what is the process of getting on a show? I don't want to ruin the magic of behind the scenes of a show, but I do want to know, like, 
how you wind up on a show called Real Girlfriends in Paris? Um, well, I think it was somewhat kids bet because I was already making moves to go to Paris and they were looking for people like me, you know, young women with their careers, with love lives, whatever it may be, um, living their best lives in Paris. And since I was on my way to doing that, they were like, oh yeah, not just a diversity hire. She's actually pretty sick. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, well, that's, I mean, that's another thing is that the representation is amazing on this show. I mean, there's two African-American expats. One has to, unfortunately, I didn't want to ruin the show or anything, Uh, but, but you stay the entire season, which I think is amazing. And the representation is amazing, but more importantly, is just that there is, what I love is that I feel like you got all of you girls have this different kind of drive about you. And it's, it's something like uh, the Avengers or something. All of these girls have a special <laughs> unique quality when you get together, but you get there and you start, I mean, like, is there a boot camp? I'm not, I wouldn't know the first thing to do if somebody to put a camera on me, how long does it take you to get used to just doing that? Um, I will say that was one of the better compliments I got was people said you're really natural on camera. And I think it's because I have like really bad ADHD. And so I think I'm always talking to myself and I think I'm on camera at all times that it was just second nature. (laughs) (laughs) You've been on a reality show potentially your entire life so far. Yeah, there's a lot of voices in here directing how I act. Um, wait, I know this is jumping all over the place, but I just want to also recommend her Instagram. She cracked me up this uh, a Halloween, you guys. She posted a picture from 2017 <laughs> where she, she, her and her friend dressed like Ray J and Kim from the infamous sex tape. Because I was like, wait, why does this look familiar? And the second slide has the Ray J and Kim. And I was like, it is one of the biggest pop culture moments ever. And I think it is interesting to have uh, women of your age on this show that like, kind of were raised in pop culture in a way you're very familiar with kardashians and what was your familiarity with bravo uh starting the show yeah um so i wasn't like super super well versed in bravo i'll be honest like what i get from like the housewives those kinds of snippets is usually from like my twitter and that's how i keep up to date because i genuinely don't have the brain power to watch that much television um that being said i have been very much into like the world of reality TV. I was a huge Bachelor Nation person. Um, oh I used no, to watch your the Bachelor Hills. Nation. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Um, I watched the Hills. Like I remember like literally sneaking my laptop and like binging it at like 4 a.m. during high school. Like when my parents were like, you have to stop watching TV. Wait, like, who who were you crushing on on the Hills? Oh, Oh my God. Were you, a Brody? Were, were you a Brody? I was, girl? I loved Brody. I yeah. loved Brody, but he was kind of an ass. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Um, I always thought that Spencer, Heidi, they were kind of weird to me. Isn't um, it wild that they're the ones that lasted? Isn't it wild? No, they, no, because they make the most sense to me. I, I won't elaborate too much further, but they make perfect sense together. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you are natural on camera. I will say that. And there are all of these different women that we get to meet of all different. Well, I mean, one is coming out, but by the way, I feel like that was teased the entire season. And then in the final episode, we finally get to see them meet, which was fascinating. Um, how in, I mean, have you, when did you stop filming the show? Are you allowed to say? Uh, I don't know. So let's give it. <laughs> okay. Let's give it. But I mean, are you still in touch with all of these women? Like uh, your lives have obviously moved on. And my thing is like, I, I mean, this is a sad prayer because we shouldn't pray for just reality shows, but I need a second season of this. Let me just ask that. Would you be willing to do a second season? Yeah, I would definitely be willing to do a second season. Um, I'm very eager to honestly, because I think there's a lot of storytelling left 
And, you know, I think the drama that we left off on in the last episodes has there's there's been other things transpiring since that I would love to to kind of share with the world. You know that it's like a, a decent reality show when you get even fascinated by somebody hanging curtains when yeah. uh, I'm just like, oh, my God, I hope uh, Gore like gets those uh, curtains up in time. Like I'm I'm a dude watching these shows and I'm like, OK, all right. Also, I love your opinions on. Uh, men that you even say in the show, French men, you guys, is the difference between French men really want to be dominated. And you found that to be true. Um, yeah, I got some real weird DMs and like, <laughs> like hinge messages, like people being like, oh, yes, like, please be my African goddess. It'd be like a white boy <laughs> slave. And I was like, honestly, for a check, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I mean, wait, what was it? You were in the conversation with, uh, what's her name? With and Anya. she was, yeah. She was like, oh, I don't want to encourage you to be a courtesan, a French prostitute at some point, you know? And you were like, and for you money. Know what? Literally, I'd do it for a check. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, were there, uh, with these reality shows, they are real to a basic degree. They truly are. I mean, can you tell us where, you are with the other ladies in this and who you're, I guess, the closest with. I mean, in the one, uh, you know, one of the episodes, you got in trouble just for partying a- a- in the room, at the can place and not inviting uh, the other lady over. And she was like, she was wanting to party and you guys were just having a conversation and she thought you were talking about her. Yeah. Um, that, well, I guess that was a two part question. So one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where are the relationships? I think that where the relationships stand is represented on those last few episodes. Um, really? So I'll leave it at that, that people need to go watch and find out and see who likes who. I think they'll like each other, but like who's closest with whom. And I think that's pretty evident. Um, as for the con situation, long story short, um, no one was talking shit. Like genuinely, it was completely misconstrued and insecurities get the best of us all the time. And I respect that because I have definitely gotten to my own head about things. Um, however, I don't necessarily like, you know, take them and run with it, but to each yeah. round. Um, but I think that what's portrayed on the show is a small snippet of how that whole evening transpired. Um, but at the end of the day, like we did end up going to sleep very shortly afterward. It wasn't okay, good. Like, Thank God. staying up late. It was really just, I was, I think you see, like, I was just making fun of myself, not understanding. No, but, but, like, but that's so, what yeah, I love so about, I love about reality shows was that was actually a thing in her head. That was a thing. And I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> is it true that you were actually on the Parisian dating apps before you even landed? A hundred percent true. I am very type A. Now that was just to get ahead of the game. Like what is, and what was your dating? If I may ask, what was your dating life during the pandemic in the city, New York? Oh man, that was probably my longest dry spell. And that was, <laughs> I love that you're like 24 years old. You're like, it was, it was really, truly one of the longest dry spells I've ever um, had. To be fair though, I feel like each dry spell was like a good, like two and a half months each. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Try a decade. Come on. Are you, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, come on. <laughs> um, yeah. So dating during the pandemic was not exactly called dating. In my opinion, I did end up dating a few people, like actually going on full fledged dates with masks outdoors, everything like that. And it was kind of weird. Um, especially, you know, getting to know people mostly online, like usually there's like a quicker transition, but it's kind of hard to like make reservations to meet people and all that, uh, with this illness, you know, floating around. Um, but with the getting 
Tinder passport before I moved to Paris. That was just kind of a genius move on my part. I, was like, I well, didn't know there was such a thing to do. Yeah. I didn't know that's... there was such a thing as Tinder passport and you yeah. were already on it. So, I mean, did you just hit the ground running when you got to Paris in terms of dating? Yes. Okay. Now, Frankly, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, we do see you really get into a relationship with a man who seems like a very sweet, lovely man who, you, you know, even cleans your apartment at one point, but I do yeah. have to say it wasn't that clean. Like he was like, Oh my God, look at this. And I was like, the bed wasn't like perfectly made. It was just all it right. It was my kitchen. It was my kitchen. I oh, had I thought you then, but then the camera pan to the bat. And I was like, that's barely made, but you were so yeah. But does that speak to something about men and even men in America is that we really do the bare minimum. So it is so impressive that's, when somebody does go out of their way. That's definitely a global thing. Y'all do the <laughs> like the minimum, but also do the most. I can't. Well, I'm assuming then you're not going to be able to tell us what your status is with Alex right now. Oh, I can. Um, yeah. So check my Twitter. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? This is good. This is good. So everybody can follow her on Twitter. What is uh, your Twitter handle? Aja, 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 <laughs> oh my gosh. Aja. Oh, this is not good. DJA, 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 DJA. This is not good for my dyslexia. ADGA, ADGA, ADGA. Are you are you going out with him or not? You, you, you yeah, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, so we're still together. Um, it's been almost a year. I think our one year anniversary will be in actually a couple weeks. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, you're so in New good. York currently, right? Well, because when I I went when I met you at BravoCon, you were like, weren't you flying out to Dubai? No, um, that was one of the trips that I had on my last little bout of travel. So I had come in from. Paris was in New York for the week of BravoCon. Went back to Paris, then to Germany for a weekend with Alex to see his family, and then back to Paris, and then back to Dubai, and then back to Paris. And now I'm back in New York. I'm so sorry uh, I got that wrong. I should have had that specifically right. Um, that that is wild. I mean, have you always been a well uh, traveled woman your entire life? Like, well, and how? Where were you raised? Um, born and raised in Northern Virginia. As far as being well-traveled, I'm definitely lucky because I have family in other countries, but I wasn't doing like a lot of different countries. It was like France, Senegal, and like Canada. Um, so most of my travels were of my own accord once I hit adulthood. So, like the minute I turned 18 and I was in college, like I was going all over the world. So that was something of interest. I want to see everything. Yes, 100%. Um, what was your, uh, cause BravoCon for me, like blew my mind away. And now you're a part of this, like, I keep comparing it to the Marvel universe. You are a part of the Marvel universe and you, this is your freshman season. So you're just getting known. Like I'm want to get as much many eyes on this as I can, but did it still blow you away? Were you still kind of shocked about like, it, it was pretty shocking to me. Um, it was crazy. I genuinely had zero expectations. I had no idea what the first BravoCon was like. Because I mean, again, yeah. I wasn't super into the Bravo world, but in recent months, I've, I've started to brush up on my lingo and understanding all these references. Um, so it was kind of crazy. I, I got to meet some people who I had met online, like uh, Katie from Vanderpump Rules. Like I have the biggest girl crush on her, and we finally got to meet in person. Katie Maloney, yeah. Yes. Wait, did you guys dish about uh, her her divorce at all? Is Schwartz? Did she did she tell you anything about the guys? I plead. Oh my god, you're you are such a Bravo celebrity already. Like I plead. Give me. Okay, who else did you get to meet that you dug? 
Um, oh my God. There were just so many people. I mean, I got to meet Chanel Leon, absolute idol. Wasn't she, she gorgeous? She looked amazing every single night. And I was only there. The, I met her on Friday and then saw her again on Saturday. But genuinely, she was, I was blown away by her presence alone. Um, I also have a really big girl crush on Sarah Almadani. She is the kindest woman I've ever met. She is so beautiful and I don't know. She's like kind of soft-spoken and like, so like soothing in her tone. Like I could listen to her speak for hours. Like, I she's think amazing. we, I think we talked to her at the same time in the lobby of one of the nights you probably had many, again, but like, I remember getting a picture with her and just, I usually don't like, I was stunned. I was like, She's wow. so beautiful. Everybody was, was it in so... her like tuxedo look on Friday yes. night. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. That was when because yeah. we were in the lobby and you girl, you, you and your friends were laughing right across from me, and I was having a martini and some fries, and the Jersey cast was right next to me. And I'm just like, this is mind blowing to me. Was there anybody that you didn't get along with? Was there anybody that gave you attitude? Did Jen Shaw push you at all from realizing? Oh my god, no, Jen Shaw really liked me. We had like you a met little Jen Shaw? Oh, she really liked me. I'm sorry, no one has beef with me. I'm very charming. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just shocked that well, because Jen Shaw was the big talk of the town because supposedly she wasn't invited. And then she just like at the party, which I saw you up at too. She was like dancing the night away at the party, yes, yes. and I was like, she was she could move better than me at any age. No, she's fantastic. I really like her, and we. I mean, I have no beef with anybody that I met at BravoCon. I love that you're like I. <laughs> I do have beef with people, but just not the people I met at BravoCon. Yeah, everyone was really nice, super accommodating, like, again, freshman season. So people were like, Oh, my God, like, congratulations. Like, I heard about your show. haven't watched it yet, but I will. And I was like, I have heard of your show. Also, have not watched it. Maybe I will. (laughs) (laughs) Did now I know you have a dude, but did you get hit on at BravoCon? Did Shep from Southern Charm hit on you? Because at the party, I was watching him go around hit on every girl. And I know I who hit on you at BravoCon. Um, I don't know if I want to blow up anybody's spot, but I Come on, did blow exchange up a couple numbers. Spot. You got wait, <laughs> you even took the numbers? Yeah. Wow. Hey, I'm just I'm gonna still... I'm just gonna assume it's Shep from Southern Charm. Like that's I'm just gonna assume. Um, no, it's not well, I don't have his number, but he does follow me. <laughs> so oh it's aw- I bet it's Austin. Austin from is it a Southern Charm cast member? You don't no. even know. Okay. Dang, I want to know. Um, back to where you're at now. I was just looking at your Instagram stories and you have one of the most complicated Excel spreadsheets for Friendsgiving. We are headed into Thanksgiving and you are, uh, you do know your way around food. What is your Friendsgiving? I was like, what is she doing? Like you take this very seriously. Um, yes, I do. I'm hosting. Oh, do you see this little fly attacking me? Oh my goodness. I have fans everywhere. <laughs> 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 that was that was chef. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So Thanksgiving, I have like twenty people coming over. I am doing a couple different chickens. We're doing some Asian influences on some of the dishes. So I got my classics, like my mac and cheese, my mashed potatoes, sweet potato casserole. We're also doing one chicken with like a five spice kind of blend. Also doing some Chinese sauté green beans, like really interesting, intricate stuff. Um, also doing like assorted alliums and a look ball sauce just have a little bit of a French in there too. I'm really excited. It's going to be one of my best. <laughs> That's one of the fun things too, you guys for, for a uh, uh, El Stupido like me, where you watch the show and they all speak in these beautiful accent. I mean, just, it's just <laughs> the, the language itself and they can all speak. It's just, it's, it's really, I really, really most, highly recommend most of us can. 
Well, that, that is true, but you actually are one of the ones that can. So I yes, thought so <laughs> um, if reality shows never became a part of your life, what uh, are you a vision board person? What, what did you, what is, what have been your dreams in life where even if the reality show never happened, this is what you were after? Okay. Well, it's not a dream per se, but I know people want me to get married to Alex, but I'm so sorry. I have to get married, not for love, but for rich. Okay. If you have money, sure. If you do not, I'm so Finally, sorry. Finally, somebody's <laughs> admitting it. I, I'm just so tired of people burying rich dudes and then say it's for love. You're saying you've got to get married for rich. I am not above it at all. In fact, <laughs> I welcome it. <laughs> um, no, but real, real talk. Um, I do have a good education behind me. I probably would have gone to grad school. I was actually considering that it was, it was either get my GRE and go to grad school or move to Paris. And I choose the easier of the two. <laughs> oh my God. And well, I mean, there's no expiration date on grad school really either. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's still on the table, but I am now dabbling in entrepreneurship and that was also like always a goal of mine, but having a bit more of a personal brand now is kind of kicking my ass into high gear and saying, okay, you have a personal brand, you have a platform, like this is exactly the moment to kind of harness your ideas and start putting them to action. So that's what I'm working on is my lifestyle brand. <laughs> Aja, what is your, I mean, how, how do you describe, what is your personal brand? If you were to describe it to somebody like, I'm like, oh, so bad. It's good. It's hard to explain. I'm like, oh, it's not, it's things I love, but we, it's, it, I say so bad. It, what, but you are much more well-spoken than I am. What <laughs> is your personal brand when somebody asks you, what is Aja? Oh, you mean who? First of all. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I do mean who. But no, no, but um, if it's a brand, can't you say if it's what? a brand? Is Aja? Yeah. I think I think it's both. Yeah. Um, so I guess my personal brand comes down to like if you think slutty is a good or bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's in Bill Gates's first line of his brand. I think I don't. <laughs> we the people of the United States of Asia. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Didn't expect that. No, okay. um, I think I think my humor is definitely a big part of who I am. So definitely my personal brand is like I always crack jokes. It's like very much pasta at the wall. If it sticks, thank God. If it doesn't, oh well. Eh. There's another one coming. <laughs> yeah. um, I uh, I think my intelligence is definitely up there. Like I I don't think I'm necessarily the smartest person in the room, but I can at least say things with conviction, and everyone believes me. So scary. No, I I mean you see that <laughs> I think multiple times on the show. Uh, how much uh, a lot of people are motivated by fear? Are you one of those people that have fear, or are you? I don't. I have full belief in myself. There is no fear. Oh, I, I don't, I wouldn't say like I operate off of fear, but I definitely still have shame and can, I, I have enough self-awareness. I love you like, say, uh, <laughs> depends on what you think of as slutty. And then you're like, I do have shame though. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, um, <laughs> both can exist in the, in this linear plane. <laughs> um, uh, what do you think the show got right about you when you, did you watch every episode? I mean, or did, and how hard of an experience was that for you to watch? Um, goodness gracious, my facial expressions. I open my mouth way too wide all the time when I'm shot like, oh, so much more than I thought I did. <laughs> But see, I watch all that. I'm sorry. I didn't really notice that, but I love the things that we pick up on that you're like, yeah, because I'll say like way too much. And then you hear it back and you're like, uh. I actually think that's something that I did more of on the show, probably due to jitters or nerves, but I don't say like 
that much as the filler world as a filler word when I'm speaking, but I noticed that I did it a lot more when filming. So I don't know if it was because of the way things were cut and it just made it seem as though I was saying a lot more, but generally, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I really sounds like that. Um, I also think what they got right is. That's kind of hard to say because I think that there were, there were a lot of things missing like context. So it's like, that was kind of right. Like that is kind of who I am, but there's like an added layer to it. And so I think the worst thing that like, I'm my harshest critic is yes, I did just make that slutty joke. However, I'm not like a sex grades. Like, no, clown. no. And the show, and by the way, and I, I also want to make that point. That was a joke on my part as well. The, the show doesn't paint you like that at all. It paints you with a really a fun bit. set. No, it paints you with a fun set. A lot humor. of dirty jokes. And well, I, I also think it's, I also think it's very, Potentially brave, and I wonder if you ever found it cringe walking, watching back when we do see you falling in love. Because sometimes that's like a hard emotion to have other people watch you. You know, like because the feeling is sometimes foreign, and it's like, Ugh. and to watch that on screen, I uh, was that hard at all for you? Um, it's like it's like kind of funny seeing me be like ooey gooey honestly because I'm not necessarily an ooey gooey person so it, it was cute but also just jarring and also like so cringy <laughs> no, like, was... oh you're so cuddly like oh my god well, why am I talking no, like yeah, that you're a nice grown woman <laughs> I, it was like I found myself rooting for him and then I was really I got nervous as the show, I was like, okay, what's going to happen? And then I was even nervous to ask you today. And I, I did not know how to spell your Twitter name. So I obviously could have found out much earlier. No, but I, um, I was really, there was something very, it, it, it harkened me back to my twenties and, and falling in love. Like, I don't know. It was really, it was just really sweet. And before you, this interview, I've already explained who every cast member is. So you guys will have a little bit of a cliff notes for this. Um, in the second season, let's just assume you have one. What would you like to highlight or what would you hope would be highlighted that you did not get to highlight in the first season? Um, I think a really big thing that was cut that is probably just like anti-Bravo zone is any discussion around the racial undertones of our dynamics as a friend group. Yeah, um, is- they were mentioned in scenes that were not surfaced but i think that it's a really important conversation you know at at one point in the show like i'm a standalone black girl among four white women like there are things that were said and there were microaggressions that were passed around and there were things that i addressed um but it doesn't necessarily work with the storyline therefore it's not necessarily going to make the cut um and i think that i at least implore bravo to take a little bit more of a stance and a risk in the future. If there's a season two, um, I think that it's not even risky. It's just like, it's an important conversation well, no, to you would see for that. our viewers. There would be a natural path to actually discuss that, especially since we know these women. Now we know these characters exactly. that you could actually broaden the horizon in bigger issues. Like sometimes, I, I mean, there's no excuse here for any of that, but like, sometimes you're like, okay, we have the foundation. We know these women. Now can we learn more about these women and how they interact? Not, you know, just socioeconomically, but you know, racially, all of these different things. Cause that's what yeah. I was wondering as well is like, what is it like to be a black woman in Paris? Yeah. Um, that's definitely a question that I get a lot. And I think every black woman will have a different response. And for me, as I mentioned, black men, I mean, sorry, white men want to be dominated by me. <laughs> so take that or leave it. It's not really a compliment, but it's not really that flattering. It's kind of weird. 
Um, so if you kind of take that as like a microcosm of how it feels to kind of be like otherized or fetishized, um, there's a downside. But also on the flip, which I've also discussed, is that um, it's less quote unquote taboo to be with women of color. And so I also felt the pros of that in which people were genuinely interested in me past the yeah like not just the fetishy way but like actually in a genuine way um and that's how I ended up with a boyfriend who is so loving and caring and also is well versed in dating women beyond his own race so which um, you said you were actually very, you said you were actually kind of comforted in that you it almost yeah. there was a sense of relief that he had a history of that and I found that yeah. such a, a a realistic statement from you I was like wow thank you um uh also uh what's your what's your issue with murray hill in new york what's your uh that. <laughs> um it's not my issue with murray hill it's a it's about a guy from murray hill who happened to have all those characteristics i was thinking about him every single time <laughs> <laughs> what is the hardest criticism you've gotten from your family that have watched the show um, my younger cousin was like, you got to drink a lot. And I said, <laughs> and what? I'm not drunk. I'm fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did have that one episode. You like you were at like, she had a coffee and you were already on the espresso martini. It was it, so no. it has coffee. In no, it. <laughs> I was, I was applauding you. I was saying that's amazing. I wasn't. And by the way, I will say Aja, like the, in the, the brief couple of times I saw Aja and her friends, you just seem like a really fun person. I was like, that's why I was like, Oh, and then I found you on the show and I was like, of course, like why? I mean, you just seem like one of those people that you would watch. And I don't mean that in a creepy male way. I'm just saying that you have this kind of vivaciousness and you're full of life. And I think that's why one of the reasons I recommend the show and why I think you're a standout character on the show. Um, I am so sorry that I did not watch the show from the beginning. And now I kind of regret that. So I need everybody out there. And I'm not joking around like you do this. You watch this in the first episode. Like I said, starts slow. You totally. want, but by even the second episode, it gets increasingly better and better and better. And then once they get to can, and then, then what, I mean, you really actually invest. There's so many humorous moments. I keep comparing it to gallery girls, but like, it's, it's like these women are much smarter than the women of gallery girls. And there's more of a realism to it, but it's just one of those examples I pick as a one season show that we all regretted not having a second season. And I don't want to see that happen here. Um, but how else Maybe. do we support you? How else do we support you in the meantime, Aja? Um, I mean, to be honest, I've been supporting myself since I was 18. Uh, so if you want to send me cash, you can, but I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, is there a project coming up? Is there a, like, yeah. I mean, um, so I'm currently working on my lifestyle brands called Atelier Touré. Um, Atelier is spelled A-T-E-L-I-E-R, Touré, like my last name. Um, and so that's going to be coming out in 2023. So you can expect things that I'll leave teasers online. I kind of want to keep a little bit of brand mystique, but you can sign up for um, alerts on when the store is ready to launch. So if you go to that atelierturé.co, you can check it out right now. Um, you guys, I'll link, social. I'll link to that on the show. I'll link to that on the show notes. So it'll be an easy click. Thank you. Um, and then, yeah, you can follow me on socials. I think I'm a riot. I great. You actually are. I opinion. mean, you really are. No, you are a riot. I mean, they're really, I was, I was, I I've been back to the Ray J Kim. I don't know why this, I'm so disturbed. Like I can't, I've, I've, I've actually gone back a couple of times to look at that. Cause it, I just didn't get it at first yeah. until the second slide. And ever since I saw the second slide, 
I went back there a couple of times because it just keeps making me laugh for some reason to just have <laughs> even the idea to do that as a Halloween costume. Thank you, um, Thank you so much. <laughs> what uh, What's the weekend plans for you this weekend? Um, Friendsgiving is definitely top of mind. I also am doing an F1 brunch with my girlies. So excited what's, wait, for what's that. What's an F1 brunch? You know, watching Formula One at brunch. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Formula One, but got it. Got it. And then, uh, any Keith McNally restaurants in New York this weekend, are we going to be treating the wait staff of all New York restaurants? Good. I'm just fascinated with the James Corden story that, uh, that, oh my God, I can't stand anyone who's rude to wait staff. Like right? it's actually the biggest fucking turnoff, excuse my language, but it grosses me out. No, I mean, I Red agree. flag. And New York, it said uh, it was so lovely being there. And it was, I feel like this kind of bigger version. I mean, how, uh, sorry, final question, the New York and Paris, what are the differences? Because New York has its own kind of romance, I feel, but Paris, just even how it's filmed beautifully seems like on steroids, New York. Okay. Well, if I do like a quick side-by-side, they both have piss, shit, and rats. Okay. Let's start with the real. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You Um, sold me. I'm in. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> but on the on the flip, while New York has like its charm in kind of like a hustle and bustle kind of way, Paris is a little more relaxed and it's a slower pace of life. You're going to be at restaurants for hours and you're not going to get amazing service. Like, you know, people aren't going to be rushing you out of your seat. If you are, it's, it's considered rude. Um, there's a lot more respect for business owners. You say bonjour to everyone. You don't just walk into stores and just like silently mill about. Like you say hello and you better mean it. <laughs> um, I also think that it's, um, really evident in just like the architecture like Paris is very unique in that manner and like yes New York has its awesome different neighborhoods and it has so much charm and it is unique in its own way but I think that Paris the reason people romanticize it so much and the people keep making the movies and the television shows and the writing the books about it is because you get to like see a real piece of history everywhere you walk and frankly America does not have a sliver of the history that Paris brings to the table so um, as somewhat of a history nerd, that's also kind of a reason why I really enjoy European cities. Um, and so Paris being my current home base, it's, it's really nice to have like, you know, quaint streets and like old school apartments that have no heating or wiring, but still, you know, those well, character. And, and kudos <laughs> to the production and the crew that really got to shoot Paris very I mean just it's it's a beautiful um beautiful cinematography for a reality show it really does capture certain elements of what you just explained totally. and also just congratulations on not buying the uh the pink Kenzo jacket I felt like that was a good call <laughs> that you I would have uh, bought it for Anya she wanted to split it I said let's split it and then she realized it was the adult decision not to do so and I said then let's not but I, would I mean, we got, we got Anya's wedding coming up we got all I mean there's so many so much there's so much um Aja, thank you so much for being here. It was so lovely to meet you there. And thank you for being so nice to us today. The show, once again, Real Girlfriends in Paris. It is so easy to stream nowadays, whether you're on DirecTV, YouTube TV, your cable company, all you do is go to your streaming and you type in Real Girlfriends in Paris, or you can talk it into your remote. It pops (laughs) up. You'll probably have to watch a couple of commercials, but they have all 10 episodes streaming also on bravotv.com. And we'll put all all of Aja's information in the show notes as well. So please give her a follow. I want, I'm invested in the show. I need it to come back and I hope to talk to you again on the second season. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ryan. It was a pleasure. Aja Toure. Wasn't she great? Watch Real Girlfriends in Paris. I loved her so much. She 
she's uh, what the kids call a vibe. I truly believe that. So what's happened between the hours that I put that together, I put this first piece of the pod together, and now I'm doing the second piece, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Reunion. Eight hours have passed. It has been an intense day with so many different little things. I'll get into that more on the the Wednesday show. I'll save those stories for you. But I do want to point out this is on YouTube as well, you guys, or will be. And um, I bought this piece of shit ring light uh, from the dollar store because I forgot my ring light. I'm at my parents. And the dollar store fucking charged. Sorry for all the language. The dollar store charged me $9.99 for this piece of crap ring light. And I'm like... Your store is called Dollar Tree. It's not called $10 Tree. Like, I was shocked. I was like, I thought I could trust the dollar store where you didn't have to look at price tags. Like, you just assumed everything was a dollar. So I'm out there spending willy-nilly. I bought that, and I got, uh, I got like, a little, like, tin sign that was also then $4. And I'm like, two items for $14. What do you think you are, Walmart? No, thank you, Dollar Store or Dollar Tree. Call me when you get back into the game, which is selling things for a dollar. That is ridiculous. And that is false advertising. Can I do all... We sue for everything in this country. Can I not sue the Dollar Tree for charging me that amount for... And by the way, I I broke the ring light, of course. The ring light is no good to me. I broke it. I'll tell you that story on Wednesday. So I wanted to talk about a couple of pop culture stories before we get into this insane recap of Salt Lake. I wanted to take this moment to congratulate somebody that's meant a lot to me. I think it meant a lot to you guys in pop culture. And that, of course, is the world. And the world, uh, the world that we live in, the world made a big announcement tonight. Uh, the world, you guys, has surpassed 8 billion people. We did it. Shout out to Nick Cannon. Shout out Tristan Thompson, TT. We couldn't have done it without you guys. Nick Cannon, especially that. I think a lot of. I think the Earth itself was like, could, could we, can we even dream about getting to eight billion? And I think like years ago they were like, there's no way. And then they saw a young up and comer, this Nick Cannon from Drumline and that MTV show where they make up little silly raps on the spot, and they were like, that kid has. There's a chance. There's an outside chance. If I were a betting man, the world said that that Nick Cannon's going to get us to eight billion, and damn it, he did it. And Nick, today the Earth thanks you. Our overpopulation crisis is going to be directly credited to you, man. I love that this could be a stronger credit for Nick Cannon than his entire his entire career. Like he's really this is where, and this just goes to show you, my acting teacher when I was really, really trying to be an actor, I always said, you know, go in the direction the river is flowing. And I think Nick finally did that and was like, I'm finally just good at this. And it's making babies from all different women. And it's it's one of those things where you're like, you've got to accept it because I know he wanted, you know, like there was that, he wanted to be an actor for a second. He's, you know, a man of many trades, but the thing that he'll most be remembered for, which I think is amazing, is just creating an overpopulation crisis. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Nick Cannon up top. Also, somebody else that is managing to do it in a way that Nick Cannon isn't. And some might say the smarter way. And I I was going back and forth on if I should talk about him or not. But I'm just going to do it. Pete Davidson, we got to mention it. We mentioned him on Monday's show. We mentioned the Amrata rumor. And 
I made an Instagram post today, which is usually the start of everything I say on this podcast. Uh, I made an Instagram post because I was reading this Us Weekly article, and I'm not making fun of Us Weekly. I love Us Weekly. I love Sarah Heron, all the writers over there. Us Weekly really was my mag of choice growing up as a kid. And the article was Pete Davidson and Emily Emily Radajkowski. Radajkowski. That is just a fun name to say. Like, I don't even know why she goes with Emrata, because Radajkowski. That's like a fun... They should. They probably use that last name for people that have um, uh, speech defects, because that would be something in theater like red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, where you would say to warm up your voice, like Radajkowski, Radajkowski, Radajkowski. Anyways, the quote, this headline, this is a headline, says, are dating. They, quote, really like each other. That's the kind of hard-hitting news that I come to Us Weekly for, that that this is the headline that they really like each other. But then I was like, Ryan, where have you heard that before? I, I was – and my, my this is how garbage my mind is, is that my mind, I've discovered, is just full of Us Weekly headlines and trash headlines from Daily Mail. Like, I was like, wait a sec. I've heard that before. And I've heard it before with Pete Davidson. And then I started digging and literally this dude, we know, I mean, I know I'm not pointing out something that hasn't been pointed out before, but I'm even talking about in terms of how we write about him. So I went on this, like kind of down this rabbit hole of like finding article headlines of Pete Davidson with other women. Here's one from our good friends at People. Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson, quote, still really into each other. Sources say, quote, he treats her really well. Could you imagine if somebody, if some outlet wrote that about you and your boyfriend or girlfriend, you're like, Ryan Bailey and girlfriend, they treat each other nicely. Like that is redonkulous, but that was an actual, and I remember reading that and being excited. I'm part of the problem. Here's another one. The truth about why Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson simply can't stop talking about each other. And by the way, this is written by Sarah Grossbart. Sarah, I mean, I mean, I have to imagine, I, I know some of these writers, they have a really good sense of humor, but what do you feel when you write a sentence like that? Is it like me doing the podcast where you're just like, oh man, oh, can't believe I just wrote that. The truth about why Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson simply can't stop talking about each other. This was from 2018. So this man in the span of five years has covered more ground Without getting any of these ladies pregnant. Now, I'm not threatening Nick Cannon at all, but I do say it's somebody you can learn from. Like, listen, you can still be with a lot of women without getting them pregnant. Uh, Here's another one. Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson are seeing each other. Quote, it's very casual, says Source. That's another hysterical headline. Because what if you were dating somebody and you were into them and then you saw a headline and people saying it's just it's casual. It's not it's it's casual. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, That's amazing. Here's another one. Now we go to Kate Beckinsdale era. Yeah, because this guy dipped his ink in Kate Beckinsdale. Pals of Davidson and Beckinsdale say, quote, this is a real romance. This was in page six, you guys, and it shows a picture of them kissing, which I love. How many friends? Who do you think are Pete's friends that are sources? Did they have to keep saying the same thing of like, he likes this one, too. Yeah, this one's real as well. 
totally real. Here's one. Pete Davidson moving to UK and proposing to love of his life, Phoebe Dynavore, who's that, that's the actor from Bridgerton. That was like, remember that one? That one just came and went. That was like a May-December thing. Uh, Cassie David, Larry David's daughter, started this whole thing off. She was one of the first um, people. Cassie David opens up about her split with Pete Davidson. Quote, it was a really pivotal moment in my life. This man seems to be a pivotal moment in every woman's life. And I've had it. Uh, Here's another one. This one, I think, is from... Was this from Vogue? Are Pete Davidson and Kaya Gerber a couple? We track the progress of their romance here. April 25th, 2020. Oh, that's my birthday. Not the year, but the April 25th part is my birthday. Uh, Then here's another headline. Everything to know about Margaret Qualley and Pete Davidson's, quote, beautiful relationship. This was from 2019. And then here's one that I thought was fun. Pete Davidson runs into his, quote, bay for life. Hillary Clinton outside of 30 Rock. And there's a Pete of Pete and Hillary. That's kind of a smudged screen. So you probably won't be able to make out that photo. But um uh, he, he's also been rumored to be with Martha Stewart and there's tons of women that I'm missing, but now he's with Emrata Radajkowski and it is just this guy. You got to give it up. You got to give it up because yeah, you could say it's huge dong, right? Like that's the easy thing. Got a huge dong, which by the way, uh, that what's that guy's name on winter house? Is it Corey? Supposedly, Jess Crypto Lindsay from Winterhouse said that he's got a huge dong as well. So is this guy the new Pete Davidson? Who knows? We'll find out. Time will tell. But this guy has been living off this big dong rumor for years. And like, let's it's not even a rumor. He's got a big dong, right? We can just let's accept it. But I'm telling you, and I'm not trying to like inflate Pete's ego because I'm sure he doesn't need it. But there's got to be more than Big Dong. I'm I'm begging there to be more than Big Dong because it's got he can't just get this. I mean, this is a lineup. This is what he's going to be remembered for. It's not going to be anything, any of his work. This will not be any of his. Listen, this guy's not Frank Sinatra. And they're like Sinatra was like betting all of these starlets. But then he was also singing his ass off. I'm sorry. Pete Davidson is a funny guy. He's really a funny guy. Has he done something? Though that you're like, I'll ne- like King of Staten Island, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. No offense, I did like that movie. But you know what I'm saying? He will be like, it's like Boogie Nights with Mark Wahlberg. Like he had that like huge dong. And at the end, he's like, you're a star. You're a big, bright, shining star. And he brings out his dong. That is Pete Davidson to me. Like that is what he's known for. And I figure like these people that are hiring him for jobs, just like, stop. He should be paid just to date starlets. And also, when does it end? Where does this end? You always think of in terms of a story from point A to point B. You know, like, how do we get to that next level? Where does the story end? And I was so, I'll admit it, I was scared after the Kim Kardashian thing. I was like, where does he go from here? Where does this guy, did he just proverbial blow his wad on a Kardashian and now it's done because she potentially is one of the most famous women in the world? Where do you go? It must, the anxiety must have kept him up night after night after night of who it is. And this Emrata, whoever is working for Pete Davidson that is pulling these, because I also think there's a team behind this. I think I think this is a brilliant choice because stunning, you know it's going to kill Kim. Like, you know it hurts Kim. Not that I'm trying to hurt Kim or Pete's trying to hurt him, but you know there is there an added bonus of like, oh, 
I guess she's naturally. Oh, she's pretty, isn't she? Oh, <laughs> natural boobs. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, you know, like there's got to be something. And super feminist Emrata has a podcast. These are all things that Kim likes to create. I mean, if Emrata has a law degree, Kim's going to lose her fucking mind. But I think this is a really good one. Do I think it's going to last? No. But this is the kind of stuff we need to get Pete Davidson back in Us Weekly and back in the Daily Mail. This got us all so excited, or at least me again today. I was very, I walked around with a big smile on my face, like a big goofball, even though I have nothing to do with either of them. But I was just like, this is this is why I love pop culture. And then I was just going back and thinking through the memories of all the women that Pete have dated that I haven't dated. And like, you know, and also just also and a, a shout out, a thank you. Uh, saying a Lord's Prayer to Pete Davidson because I don't literally want to put that work in. Like, that guy is hustling. Like, this guy, there is, this guy, there's no vacations. You know what I'm saying? This guy is 24-7 women. And, like, listen, I've got the podcast, I've got all this stuff. This guy must have the easiest schedule in the world because he has so much time to just bang and, like, have room like amazing rumors said about him like i think it's like the rumors about me have always been like so kind of lame and i've, I've heard a couple like but there's never been big dong like i've tried to get that one started a couple of times and it's never stuck there was a couple people shout out to samaj and all that would uh and there was another girl that would always say like i would say i would ask the audience like please Will you write like you've got I hear you have a huge dong on some of my Instagram posts and that that, you know, kind it lightly took off, but it really didn't catch fire the way I was hoping. Um, so it's just like some guys, they just have all the luck. OK, moving. <laughs> Shout. Hey, PD, if you're listening, please come on the show. You by the way, this is where you'd want to hear Pete Davidson, right? You know, this is where we would get because. He, he would, I think, feel we would joke about it. I think he'd open up. We'd probably both cry at some point. Um, and that, you know what? I think it would be a great interview. So, Pete, if you're listening or if any of Pete's, quote, unquote, close sources are listening, would love to speak to you. Also, Yellowstone premiered on Sunday night, you guys. And this thing took off like a rocket ship. Uh, fifth season. And it has gotten the biggest ratings of a a scripted television show of 2022. It opened with 12.1 million viewers. Uh, and this is on Paramount network. So it is a niche network slash streaming service. And it is the most watched scripted television premiere of 2022. And it, Broke ratings record. So congrats. My cowboy hat is off. Oh, also, I just thought about that because I'm looking at the Daily Mail right here. It says single and ready to mingle. Kim Kardashian brings her sexy style. And then in parentheses, it goes and tiny waist and tiny waist. I love the Daily Mail so much. And tiny waist. And the tiny is all capitalized to Miami for kid free getaway amid claims her ex Pete Davidson is romancing Emily Radajakowski. Now, the pressure is on. Like, think about it from Kim's side. Okay, so she's in Miami. Like, she hears this rumor and she's like, I got to get rid of the kids immediately. Checks in with Kanye, makes sure he can't get the kids. And then she's like, okay, okay, they'll be with Chris and Chloe. And Corey and all the other Kardashians. So then she gets in the the Kim Air, the private jet, I bet. And she's like, I got to bang it out this weekend. Who does she go to? Now, this is chess. Who does Kim go to? 
If Pete goes Emily, where does Kim go? Kim can't go to Nick Cannon. That's a joke. You know what I'm saying? That would be a joke. It would be stunning. It would be like horrifying. It would be truly more horrific than Midsummer. But where does she go? Where would you go if you're Kim Kardashian? I really want to put some thought into this. I don't want to just blurt it out. But uh, I mean, what? Who? Who is? I would love to say Harry Styles, but then we would have to split. But Harry Styles would be a really interesting choice because he's another tiny white dude. And Pete's a tiny white dude. Like, so we know she's potentially liking tiny white dudes again. So she could go with a Harry Styles. And if she could force the breakup with him and Olivia Wilde, we're legend status. Pete is trumped. Pete's out of the game. Kim's back in. But other than that, I don't think I don't think like are you gonna care if Kim dates a basketball player? Are you going to care if Kim dates Van Jones? Are you going to care if Kim date Kim dates what like a big power lawyer? Like no, none of that is like it's got to be I mean the brightest mind why have why has nobody reached out to me to just even help brainstorm guys she could date? Uh, I wonder if she's at that point in the career, you know, back in the day you would hear actors talk about like, "Oh, they used to get I used to I used to flip through the modeling agency books and I would say, I want that one. And then they would like set up a date. Didn't you remember like hearing stories of that in pop culture? Like producers would like greasy producers. Randall Emmett used to do that allegedly. Um, so I just wanted to, I, but that is, I, I feel like we're going to need an answer for Kim this week. Also, um, Jana Kramer, I guys, I got to tell you, Jana Kramer is a huge blind spot for me, except that every time I've read her name over the last couple of years, first it was like that she was complaining about this dude she was married to that was always cheating on her. And now I guess she's not with that dude anymore. But it seems like every time I see her in the Daily Mail, she's just complaining about something. And I'm like, why does she want it? Like, is she a Bachelor contestant? What? And she goes, uh, Jana Kramer reveals she once dated Chris Evans and details mortifying bathroom incident, which ended their fledgling romance. Quote, I never heard from him again. Jana, are you this desperate to be in Daily Mail that you're literally saying, like, I lost, I lost Chris Evans at one point? So I guess on her podcast, God, everybody has a podcast. Oh my God, her podcast is called Wine Down and it's spelled W H I N E. Listen, so bad it's good is not a great name, but wine, isn't that just spelled whining like you're whining? Hmm. Anyways, the singer 38, oh, she's a singer. Okay. The singer 38 said she and actor Evans 41 went on a few dates more than a decade ago but said she believes the relationship fizzled after she ate asparagus and went to the bathroom. <laughs> she, she ruined, she, she lost Chris because her piece went like, <laughs> honey, sorry. What am I? I'm trying, honey, let me tell you this. Honey, no, but seriously, it's probably just because you were annoying. I don't think it has anything to do. I'm telling you, guys will not give a crap about asparagus. I'm telling you, it's not the asparagus, Jenna. Uh, but she goes, to this day, I'm actually sort of mortified. This is so embarrassing. She goes, it was a fun time, but I was getting a little sleepy. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to go to bed or whatever. And so I had asparagus for dinner that night. So I went to the bathroom and he immediately went after me. And that's the last interaction that I remember is him going into the bathroom. After I just... <laughs> 
I never heard from it. I never. I never heard from him again. Okay, so I got some theories here. Working with some theories. One. Okay, okay, first off, it's not just the asparagus, but let's say she ate a boatload of asparagus. If you're dating somebody like Chris Evans, no matter what year, like I'm not, listen, I'm not gay, but if I was, and I was like, had the opportunity to date a Chris Evans, I probably wouldn't eat for a week. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be no stone unturned. And like, I'm not going to risk, like, I'm not going to go risk eating Taco Bell if I go out with Amrata. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not going to be even in the vicinity of a date like that. So I'm calling BS first off. I just feel like what a rookie move. Like, you know what asparagus does. Secondly, here's just a theory I'm going to throw out. Allegedly, what if Chris Evans likes to be peed on? And she did eat the asparagus, and it was during a sexual peeing experience. And he was like, I asked you to piss on me, not piss asparagus on me. And so it was, like, gross for him in that way. I'm not kink-shaming. I'm saying this is, like, a normal, natural thing for some people. Some people consider it beautiful. But if you throw asparagus into that, automatic no-no. So that could be it. Also, what if in Jana's mind – is that even how you say it or is it Jana? I bet it's probably Jana Kramer. Jana, Jana Kramer. I bet asparagus stands for poop. I bet, I bet you she took a huge dookie and then Chris came in and was like, holy, have you, like, let's just be honest, folks. Can we, and by the way, I know a lot of, I've been warned by women a lot that they don't like bathroom humor, but I don't, I, I actually, I'm not making a joke. Have you ever gone into the bathroom or been in, obviously you've been in the bathroom after you used it, but you've just been horrified with what you did. You like, didn't know that could come. you not even like just the, sm- you're just like, oh my God, I must be close to death. Like that is, does that happen for women too? Or is that just a dude thing? I, you don't have to tell me. I I know there's probably kind of an Illuminati secret society or something that hides these things. I've shared too much. Anyways, Jana Kramer, shout out for that great story. I, I have some good date stories, but I've never, I never had an asparagus one. That's one that I actually would never, would never attempt. Um, okay. And then this one, you guys, this is fascinating Oh, God, this is fascinating because, sorry, I'm looking at Emrata things. I think the Daily Mail stole my, oh, God, okay. Okay, anyways, so, um, dude, Pete Davidson, I just realized Emrata has a child. And Pete Davidson on that Kevin Hart show interview he did a couple months ago said his his dream was to have be the father of a kid. But I thought he was just saying that because Kim like was even already saying that she wanted to have babies. So I thought I was like, he was just saying that, but now he's like potentially a stepdad. If this Emrata thing takes off. Also you guys join up the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash so bad. It's good for five bucks a month. You get access to, I do, I do uh, recaps of the Kardashian episodes every week and I don't mind. I got pretty deep with that. I really did. I did some very deep theories, um, so go join the Patreon. I'm telling you it's worth it. We also just did the whole season of Selling the OC. We do live Patreon Q&As, and it kind of keeps the lights on um, uh, in addition to Cloud10 and iHeart. So please go join over there. We're going to be doing some new shows over there as well. But Scott, Scott Disick wasn't in it. Why am I not in these shows? But Travis Barker was. And this Travis Barker, are you guys noticing his insane caffeine addiction? 
and he's just like a child. Like he, they went to Milan to do this fitting and he's like obsessed with like caffeine and Noki. He's like Nikki. And he goes, babe, 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 look, I ate all my Noki. <laughs> he goes, babe, look, he like wants to be like rewarded like a child. He's like, babe, look, look, I ate all my Noki. That's really good Noki. He was, he kept telling it to Courtney. Like he was like, look at me, a big boy ate all my Noki. <laughs> this potentially is turning out to be one of the weirder shows I've potentially ever done. Okay. We got to get into this recap. You, <laughs> It's only an hour and four. We got to get into this recap. I did want to end on a story though, you guys, about something that happened today in the Real Housewives of Salt Lake universe. And I got to tell you, this, um, you know, this Jen Shaw, I think, you know what? I'm just going to go on a limb here. I think she's potentially unstable. Do you, did you ever, do you ever get that vibe? Uh, so Jen Shaw was caught in a massive screaming match on the streets of Salt Lake City. I'm going to play you guys the audio right now. You can kind of barely make out what's happening. You, if you see the image, which I go to queensofbravo.com, um, they have the image on their site with the sound, but I'm going to play the sound and it's going to be a lot of yelling. You can make out certain words, but it's, it's wild. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Didn't fucking say that. Go fuck yourself. That was Jen screaming. And Jen's in this gold puffer jacket, just in case anybody cares. I agree with you. Something about a husband, who the F said that. There is tons of screaming and you see Jen. I'm telling you guys, I think she's potentially guilty. I think she did. I think she's going to jail. But it just it's it's actually painful to watch because I was talking to my sister tonight and I'll get more into that on Wednesday's episode and we were talking about ego and I was talking about, you know, everything comes back to housewives and, you know, these egos, the egos are always the downfall. And I just it almost makes you sad that she obviously lives like, you know, when I was saying like some certain reality stars that I met, I'm like, wow, they really live and breathe drama. And it's like scary to watch in real life. And I feel like Jen Shaw is truly, truly living like a real housewife. And that's not potentially a good thing, especially when you're about to go to prison. And it supposedly was her family there. I don't know where coach was. And this was outside. Somebody was filming this across the street. Do you know how messed up that is? Not the filming of it, but just to be fighting at this point in your life outside with family members. Go inside if you want to fight like that. I mean, especially now. Everything. I mean, a microscope is on her. You know, it's just got to... She must just be used to living her life at this level of intensity that is just something... It's like Pete Davidson with the women. It exhausts me. It exhausts me. You guys got to watch this clip. Okay, folks. Let's let's get into this. Uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 3, Episode 7, originally aired on November 9th, 2022. Uh, these notes were taken by a friend of the pod and friend of mine, Laura Beth Harp. She is truly killing it. So, Laura Beth, thank you so much. I will put her Instagram on the show notes if you want to go follow her and thank her for her, her civic duty because it truly helps me be able to do the performance that I'm about to give for you tonight. To be able to just think purely on Meredith and Seth in that bathtub with Meredith's toe tickling Seth's taint 
That takes a lot, you guys. I couldn't really take notes and concentrate on how I wanted to do that scene without Laura Beth. So uh, this is called Choir of Chaos. And I'm like, damn it, you guys. Title of the year. Choir of Chaos. How simple, how perfect, because, of course, we're auditioning for Heather Gay's choir. But it, it just goes to show you, you don't need... You don't need to be all like, uh, you know, like, all fun, like, you know, um, like if it was Beverly Hills, it would be like a hat full of anger when they went to like Kimosabe. You know, they always try to do like a little funny. This is just a choir of chaos. How beautiful is that? Because choir fits in with the episode. Chaos fits in with anything in this group. Uh, and this is what the cable company description gives us. All hell breaks loose, which I think is a very brave first opening um, stanza of a line there because all hell breaks loose with the religious backdrop in Utah. Very powerful start. All hell breaks loose. Wouldn't that be amazing if hell actually did break loose? Like Satan, I am Satan and I am here to audition for Heather Gay's choir. (laughs) Uh, Actually, Jen Shaw was there. All hell breaks loose at choir auditions when Jen confronts Angie. They didn't. Could it be Angie H, Angie K? Who knows? Hoping to rise above the drama, Lisa recommits to her faith. Whitney talks to Heather about the distance in their friendship, creating an even greater divide between bad weather. Guys, I am, I'll just tell you, I wake up in fear every damn day now that I'm going to open the news and see that bad weather is just done. It's like your favorite band. You're like, oh my God, they're probably breaking up. And I feel like bad weather is done. And it's hard. You just want these ladies to work out their issues. But at the same time, I'm I'm going to take the unpopular opinion probably. I don't want Whitney to back down. I want Whitney to stand up. Stand up. Stand up for what she believes on. Previously believes in. Previously on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake Sitter. Sitter. I swear. I'm not. I, I've been drinking Diet Coke, you guys. I'm probably having a stroke. Previously on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Heather is prepping for her choir audition. She's like, Easter is just around the corner. And what's Easter without a hymn? And then we cut to Justin telling Whitney he was fired. He's like, my boss said, with Whitney being a public figure, it was going to be a conflict of interest. And Whitney's like, this fact that your wife has a career, you can no longer work here. Heather then is talking to her business partner about her drama with Lisa Barlow. And Heather's like, Lisa tweeted my dad's obituary, which she did. And it's kind of like the most Lisa Barlow thing Lisa Barlow can do because Lisa wasn't going to get called out on a lie, even though most people would be like, ah, it's still really close with her father's death. Let's just kind of leave it alone. But not our Lisa Barlow. Uh, then we see a scene, Lisa talking to Whitney after yoga. And Lisa's like, she crossed the line when she used her dad's memorial to make me look like a shit person and when he's like you should probably still pick up the phone and call heather well i think i'm just gonna show up at her choir auditions and then jen and heather are talking about the finsta account that her husband uh, that angie's husband started shaw exposed and jen is like chris harrington started an instagram page called at shaw exposed and then we see angie and her husband chris at dinner with meredith and seth and chris is like <laughs> In a very immature moment, you guys are going to laugh. This is funny. I created a fake account. (laughs) You know, like 52-year-old men do. Then we go back to Jen and Heather, and Jen's like, when it comes to Angie, you need to be aware of what's going on, Heather. And then we see the people lined up for the choir auditions. And Jen's walking out with her megaphone. She's like, hey, everyone, who's ready to audition? And the people cheer, and Jen spots 
Angie in line, the wife of the man who made At Shaw Exposed. Jen in a confessional goes, the last thing I expected was to see Angie Harrington here. No taglines this week because we don't have time for them, you guys. They were like, there's too much plot. We got those taglines go. We open up the episode of Beautiful Shots of Salt Lake City with the choir music. And then we are still at Heather's choir auditions. We see Jen looking pissed and then they flash over to Angie and Whitney rehearsing outside the theater. And they're dressed up, you guys, in little spangly, sparkly outfits. And Whitney's like... Five, six, seven, eight. Jen in the confessional was like, what the hell is Angie Harrington doing here in her dollar store leotard outfit? By the way, dollar store, like I said earlier in the podcast, doesn't seem to exist anymore. You call it Dollar Tree and then you call it charge like $5 for things. Sorry, that doesn't any of this. I'm mad with Jen here. She goes, I feel like it's a slap in the face to me. And Heather's diminishing what my family and I went through with this Shaw exposed account. I do like that last week, Jen Shaw had to tell Coach what Shaw exposed was. And he was like, huh? Like, you have a feeling. I have a feeling Coach Shaw doesn't even go on Instagram. He's like, what? Uh, And she's like, what you put our family through? And he's like, wait, what are you doing online? What? Can we just leave this alone, maybe? We see Heather and the other judges. There's more judges at this show than there are people to audition. Like, they should they should have made the judges audition. Because, like, they could have put out a tweet and got thousands of people. They have, like, ten people there. Seven seem to be related to, like, Heather. It's, it's very odd. Um, Meredith is walking in with the first person to audition. And Heather's like, okay, here we go. And Meredith goes, as the assistant, I would like to present our first audition Jerwin. Because I just have to remind you, these aren't exact. I'm sure I have to remind you. These aren't exact imitations, you guys. These are character renderings. This is how I interpret the character of Meredith. It's a little slurry. It's a little loose. And Heather's like, what are you going to sing for us today? And Jerwin's like, I'm going to sing when the saints go marching in. And he starts singing and we go back outside where the ladies are waiting. And Dana is like, you know, Angie just from an Angie K goes, no, I don't know Angie. I just know what I hear from Jen and Lisa. And I don't like it. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't like it. That's good. But also like Angie K, we got to change your name, girl. Like Angie H was the first Angie, I think. Right. Or maybe that's it. But if we're, we, we can't do this. This isn't bachelor nation. We've got to get one of these Angies to change their names. And I think the audience would be fine with it. I I don't think anybody would protest at all. Like, I would be fine if we just all of a sudden said Angie K's name was like Dana. Not, oh, I just said Dana. That's why. No, like, let's have her name be um, Jemima. Is that a name? I just, I don't even know. I'll just name her after my sister, Kara. Angie K should be named Kara. Um, So we see Whitney and Angie talking out their costumes and twirling around and like Whitney and Whitney, like really, I love people that like Tom Sandoval that give their all that came to perform. But Angie, we cannot deny the obvious. Angie is a thirst monster. She wants to be in this so bad, this show, and it is just reeking. And I just like, why do you want, you always got to question any of these ladies for just even wanting to be on the show in the first place. And Dana's like, hey, that's good. Holy shit about Whitney and Angie. And Angie H goes, damn it, it's been 20 years. And Dana goes, oh my goodness, I love this outfit. And Angie H shimmy. And then we flash back inside the theater. Jen and Meredith are talking to someone auditioning. Wouldn't it have been great if somebody was like, I can't do it. I'm so scared. 
Like just an attack of nerves, just like me, where I'm just like sweating when I meet Sutton Strack. And Jen goes, um, you can make your tags, your name and your vocal range. And the auditioner's like, I'm a tenor. And Jen goes, give us something. Let's go. And the auditioner starts singing the Star Spangled Banner. And Jen goes, that's fire. Woo. And then we go back outside. Angie H goes, I'm so sorry. I like, I met you like for two seconds at ski day. I know you're good friends with Heather. And Dan is like, yeah. And she goes, I tried to talk to Lisa at ski day. She would not even talk to me. And then Angie K jumps in and she goes, look, Angie, I'm just going to tell you. And that's what I'm saying. That's confusing. Like, you're Angie. Don't say, look, Angie, because then we're like, you're Angie. And Dana goes, I think we should explain. And Angie K goes, I like everybody. Well, I wanted to like everybody. And I want to give you a chance. But I also think if you're going to talk behind Lisa's back. And Angie H goes, what have I said behind her back? Just tell me. Angie K goes, don't go up to her. And don't go try to be her friend. And don't try and hug her. And Angie H goes, tell me what I said. Angie K goes, it's fake. It's fake. And Whitney walks up. And Angie K goes, you open up fake accounts with your spouse and go and criticize them on social media. And you know you did that. And Lisa is done with that. Angie K gets a confessional and says, the account may have been named at Shaw Exposed, but it was really aimed at targeting Lisa. Angie H says, I have never one time opened a fake account. Never in my life. Which is just wild because Angie H is what, probably like near 50. Instagram wasn't even invented, like never in my life. Like it wasn't even invented. You say never since it was invented. Angie K goes, you can deny this at the moment. I mean, Angie H goes, never. Never. And Angie K goes, there's screenshots that exist that show that you did. And Angie H goes, that I've opened it? And Angie K goes, you and your husband. Angie K now in a confessional goes, she's lying. I made sure my husband did it far away from me. No, she, she goes, she's lying. She liked a comment that was posted within like 30 seconds. You were, she was involved 100%. Angie H goes, me and my husband don't share an account. They got to tell you, a lot of couples that do share an account, those are the ones that last. Just that's a personal, so bad it's good, you know, tip. Angie K goes, well, you share a marriage and you share a family and what he does represents you. And Angie H goes, yeah, a marriage, but accounts are separate. I've never done it to her. Never. I love that this is getting down to like accounts are separate, motherfucker. Accounts are separate. We might share a bank account, but we do not share social media. Everyone knows that. It says so in Mormon doctrine. And Whitney in a confessional goes, wait a second. You're telling me that Chris, a grown-ass man, created a Finsta account to troll Lisa? And then Angie H goes, Angie, I get what you're saying. Angie K goes, I am speaking on her behalf right now. Whitney goes, don't you think that this, like, you should have this conversation with Lisa? And Angie H goes, yeah, I should have this conversation with Lisa. Whitney in a confessional goes, I feel really icky and silly right now being in a matching. <laughs> in a ma <laughs> I feel like Jenna Kramer when she peed asparagus on Chris Evans, the sexiest man alive. She goes, I feel really icky and silly right now being in a matching costume with Angie. I just wanted to put a top hat over my <laughs> I love fucking Whitney, man. That's all she, she really did. Some of us, we just want to put top hats on our heads. That's all we want, man. Like, let me just be free enough to put a top hat over my head. And that's all Whitney wants. She goes, 
I wish that I could just disappear. And Whitney vanishes from her confessional, which actually cost a million dollars. It was a big special effect right there. Jen comes outside with her megaphone. She's like, I'm here to hype you guys up. Sidestep. No, no, no. We're not tired. We're full of energy. And you just got to imagine she's going to annoy some people on the cell block. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm in there and I'm hearing this kind of energy from Jen Shaw, I'm already in prison. It's like another prison for me. You know, like, I just hope she chills. And D- Dana's like, Jen, 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 come here. And Jen's like, what? I'll be right back. And Dana goes, Angie just addressed Angie H. And Angie K goes, I just brought up how she was talking shit about Lisa and the fake accounts and everything. And she denies all of it. And then they walk over to Angie H. And Angie K goes, let's be honest. Can you really say you had no idea your husband did this? And Jen goes, oh, my gosh. And Angie H goes, none. Jen scoffs at this. How do you scoff? You go, ha. Ha! Ha! And Jen goes, Angie, you're full of shit. You know what your husband does. And Angie H goes, no, I didn't. And Jen goes, I'm glad you're just standing there with a smirk on your face. And Angie H goes, a smirk? You guys? And Whitney goes, you are. (laughs) Whitney goes in a confessional. It's really interesting how Angie can just conveniently not know or forget. Like, they don't know that Chris created this finsta. She didn't remember saying the rumor about Lisa at the jazz game. Like, is this a convenience thing or does she really have a memory problem? Another reason why I like Whitney, she doesn't she doesn't just go out and say this this lady's got to be evil. She goes, hey, there might be a sundowners issue. There might be we might have a notebook type situation where Angie has a memory problem. And Jen goes, okay, you need to take some accountability because he did it, which is just a funny line to hear from Jen Shaw about taking accountability and who did what. You're just like, okay, Jen, do you even take your, does your butthole clench when you say things like that? Or like, are they going to buy it? And Angie H goes, why, why? And Jen goes, cause that's your husband. And Angie H goes, I didn't do it. I agree. Talk to him. And Jen goes, oh my gosh. Angie K goes, Angie, it's a big deal though. And Angie H goes, I didn't do it. Jen goes, let me tell you. And Angie K goes, your husband wouldn't have done that if you guys hadn't talked about it. And Jen goes, I had to tell my husband, shut up and let me talk because it's me. It's me, goddammit, so let me talk. Not unlike that clip I played of you earlier uh, from uh, Sunday night of Jen Shaw and her family fighting outside in Salt Lake. This Jen walks the walk and talks the talk. She's annoying in these scenes, and it looks like she's annoying in in real life with her family around her outside at night in Utah. And GH goes, but you're accusing me too. We flash over to the people waiting in line to audition, looking on uncomfortably. Can you imagine this? This is your big day to audition for something, and you've tried to like talk yourself into it. You're like, you can go, man. Like, just sing, just sing, like, just sing something single. Like, sing Happy Birthday or sing, like, Fireworks by Katy Perry. Sing something. And then you get there and you're just watching Jen Shaw fight with Angie K and Angie H. And part of you you is like, oh, my God, that's the girl from the reality show. And, like, oh, my God, I'm just realizing the cameras. And, oh, my God, why are those ladies both named Angie? And Jen goes, when you get married to somebody, that is your other half. I am responsible for what Sharif does and vice versa, and so are you. I think Jen just implicated uh, Coach Shaw in her um, her crimes. <laughs> I was like, Coach Shaw was watching this. He's like, No, baby, no, 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 no. That is a uh, that's not what. Uh, no, I am uh, not responsible. And GH goes, Okay, but the things that you're being accused of right now is Sharif taking shit for it. And Jen goes, I'm innocent. 
and you know, just everybody just takes a big laugh break. You know, everybody's like a laugh beat, like, ah, no. And we flash back to the auditions and we see someone singing Amazing Grace, which is just such a great cut from Jen saying, I'm innocent, screaming to ama- Amazing Grace. And someone walks in, I think it's Heather's assistant, and goes, uh, there's an issue outside. I think you need to come outside. And then we go back outside. And Jen's like, I'm going to get people to click on this count because it says at Shaw Exposed. Let's find out. Oh, they're exposing Shaw. I know exactly why he did it. You picked my fucking name. Heather walks up with a shocked look on her face because for Heather, this I imagine is not what her choir experience used to be like. And um, Angie H goes, don't look at us. And Heather goes, Jen. What is going on? And Jen says, if somebody dragged you or your husband, and we see Angie just smirking. Mm. And Angie H goes, Heather. And Jen goes, don't fucking laugh or smile. Angie H goes, do you know my husband to be a bad guy, Heather? And Heather goes, no. No. Jen, in a confessional, looks disgusted and rolls her eyes. like, And Jen says, he set up an account called Shaw Exposed. I have an account that's so bad it's good. It's not That's not great either. Heather goes, you don't have to find someone. He talked about it. He took accountability and you and talked to you about this. And Jen goes, no, he did it because I asked about it. And Angie H goes right on the phone with us. And Jen goes, do you guys understand? And Heather, guys, Heather goes, you guys didn't? You told me you had a conversation with him and he owned it. And Jen goes, he got caught. That's why. Once again, really funny. It's like, Jen, you got caught. You're not taking account of it. This is a really funny conversation if you pull out and look at the macro of it. Now, Angie H goes, do you know how many fake Instagram accounts there are? And Angie K goes, just take accountability, Angie H. And Angie H goes, take accountability for what? I didn't do anything. Heather walks up because she's like the head of the choir. She's got the choir. She's got to do the choir thing. And Jen follows her and Jen goes, you don't understand Sharif is fucking disgusted. My hand to God, I bet if they did a quick cut to Sharif, he's like probably laughing at gym practice or whatever he does. There's no way he's fucking disgusted. He's probably disgusted about a lot of this situation, but not this in particular. And Heather goes, I don't know what I can do about it out there. And Jen's sobbing. Oh my God, I can't. I can't fucking do this. I can't do Jen goes into the bathroom with Meredith to pee asparagus, and Heather in a confessional goes, this is becoming ridiculous. Let's be very clear here. Jen Shaw is in a washing machine of turmoil because she's being indicted on federal charges with a prison sentence looming, and not because she's getting trolled by Chris Harrington on Instagram. And I thought that was such a powerful line, don't you? What, like, a washing machine of turmoil? Let's all just take a second and think about that. First off, needs to be a shirt. I know one of you knuckleheads is going to steal that from me. Washing washing machine of... I'm, a, I'm in a washing machine of turmoil. By the way, Maditza, if you're actually listening to this, we should have Jen Shaw with her face like poke like out of a washing machine. Like, I'm in a washing machine of turmoil. It reminds I'm in a washing machine. Punta Mita. I'm John Jensen. Um, I think that's a beautiful line. A washing machine of turmoil. Like we can't, we can't forget that line, guys. Don't let me forget washing machine of turmoil. That's our new thing. Washing. That's that's gonna make me a million dollars. Um, 
And she, but Heather's right though. This is what it's all about distraction with guilty people. We cut back outside. We see Lisa Barlow walking up. I mean, this is truly a victorious moment because Lisa Barlow knows Heather's mad at her. Heather is back seated at the judge's table and Heather goes, I've been, been, I've been impressed with everyone, either their story or their desire, their energy. I want them all to be a part of it. And I'm like, there's only eight people here. That's not even a choir. So of course. And Lisa goes, hi, right on cue. Lisa in a confessional goes, Heather and I probably need a 12-step program to move forward in our friendship. But step number one has to be showing up for her today because I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that can sing. (laughs) Just, I... Guy, I've turned I've turned a full corner. I fucking love her. I do. I don't know. I don't know where I was first season. I'm so sorry. This shows you, first off, that I'm a dork, that I'm fallible, that I get it wrong sometimes. And also, maybe I don't get it wrong. Maybe I get it right, but maybe it's okay to change how you feel about someone. Maybe there are chances and second chances and third chances for people in life. Maybe that's the positive. I was talking to my sister and I about something, and she said, what if you reframe? I was saying something mean about myself, and she goes, well, it's interesting that you say that what if you reframed it like this and i was like yeah i just did that again what if i reframed that to say maybe i did get it right maybe i didn't like lisa barlow when it was the right time to not like lisa barlow so lisa comes from behind the curtain heather looks surprised to see her and lisa goes i'm here for the audition and then we cut to commercial we come back heather goes why are you here do you want to be in the choir and lisa goes i want to support heather gay and heather goes oh okay Lisa goes, on her mission for spirituality in her own way. And Lisa smiles the biggest smile after this, like she's proud of that line. This is very drop-dead gorgeous. Heather goes, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's so sweet. Heather in a confessional goes, I am shocked to see Lisa because she really hurt my feelings. And this is, I feel like her way of saying like, I'm showing up for you and I'm sorry, but I'm, you know, I still can't stand her. You know, for a second, I thought it was going to be like, all is forgiven. And she's like, nope, still don't like her. Smells like cheese. Uh, Lisa goes, okay. And then you guys, literally the voice of an angel who's just okay at singing. Like, I mean, it was just really so beautiful in this sort of not beautiful way. Like, I can't, you, you, like, it goes, Away in a manger, no grip for up. Like, I can't even, but it, her name tag says Lisa Alto, which is, you know, tenor, alto, bass, baritone. She's an alto. And I just love how she mashes. She can't do it justice because I talked to my sister for hours tonight. And, uh, but it, if you go look it up, like, away in a manger. I, I'm, I feel like I'm tone deaf right now. Kind of like Lisa Barlow. No, she was actually amazing. She probably is the strongest person on the choir. And I'm so excited to see how this choir develops. I'm truly hoping this actually is a real choir that we can potentially see around the holidays. Because I think they would just kill it with some Xmas jams. But Lisa's like, is that it? And they're like, yay. And like, where do I exit? And she leaves. And Dre, Heather's business partner, goes... Did you know she was coming? And Heather goes, no, I had no idea. Lisa walks over to where Angie H, Angie K, and Dina, Dana are sitting inside now. And Lisa goes, hey, guys, did you hear my audition? And Angie H goes, no. And Angie K goes, I did. And Lisa goes, did you love it? And Angie K goes, you sounded so good. You look beautiful. And Lisa goes, good to see you. And Dana, Dana goes, you can sing, Lisa. I heard you. It was so good. And Lisa goes, thank you. Angie H and Lisa do not greet each other, you guys. 
Lisa hugs Angie K and Dina and sits down. Angie H is just staring at Lisa. Because Angie H, remember, is in this gold lame like kind of whole get up, and she just heard the voice of an angel that is just okay at singing, but still the voice of an like so everybody is giving her major props, which I just think is just amazing. A producer in a confessional goes, What do you miss about your friendship with Lisa? And Angie H goes, <laughs> Not a lot, Lori. <laughs> And then she snorts and continues to laugh. This Angie H, she's a troublemaker. And if she keeps up this kind of behavior, I might grow to love her. I don't know. She, But there's just there's like this weird mix. We've seen this kind of thirstiness before with Housewives, but it seems so concentrated in evil format. Angie H goes, wit, wit. And she jumps on the couch, almost slips and falls. She then sees Jen, Whitney, and Meredith coming around the corner. Angie H goes, can you go over the routine real quick? And Whitney goes, yeah. And Angie H goes, okay, come on, back here. Angie H and Whitney walk away. Jen to Lisa goes, hi. Lisa goes, how's it going? And Jen goes, oh, it's awesome. Did you try out? And Jen goes, let me just grab a tissue real quick. Everything just feels like weird all of a sudden. And Dina's like, it is weird. Angie K and Angie H got into it. This is what I'm saying. This Angie K, Angie H shit's got to stop. It's just, it's hard for the audience. It's hard for me to keep saying. I feel like I'm dyslexic all over it. And then we go back to the auditions and we see Meredith walking in with Whitney and Angie H. And Meredith, Meredith goes, may I present to you Whitney and Angie. She's got like a little uh, Ed Sullivan there. May I present to you the Beatles. <laughs> Angie H is holding a clipboard and a large trophy. This has never been discussed. And uh, all of a sudden, like, this is the carrot top of this choir. We're back to the other ladies. And Lisa goes, where's Jen? And she walks into the room, finds Jen sitting alone. Hey, do you want me to stay or leave? And Jen's like, you can stay. We flash back to the audition and see Whitney and Angie sing and dance. And Jen goes, Heather was literally siding with Angie. And Lisa goes, what? Which one? Angie H or Angie K? And she goes, what? And Jen goes, that's when I really got hurt because I feel so fucking attacked. I'm like, I'm sorry I wasn't here sooner. I was practicing to be the voice of this choir. And Jen's like, I need all of us to sit down because I promise you on everything I love, if Heather fucking tells me that I need to just get over it, that I'm in the wrong. And Angie's, it is like when Jen gets mad, though, She this line was said about her, her lawyer saying that she needs to chill with the Botox because we need to see emotion. Like, you can see the emotion trying to fight to get out of her face. She's like, it's like teen. Like, have you ever seen that movie Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox when he's first becoming the Teen Wolf and he's in the bathroom and his dad's like, come out, buddy, come on out. And his face is like, that's what like Jen Shaw, when she's trying to get mad, it's like expression trying to break free from her face. She's like, if she says Angie's in the right, I promise you, I'm going to tell her to her face to go fuck herself. Get the fuck out of my life. You're the worst fucking friends. You're the most materialistic person. The only reason you're fucking with Angie Harrington is because you think that her fat fucking elf on the shelf husband is going to feed you and put you on a fucking yacht, bitch. Well, guess what? You're a cheap motherfucking date. And Lisa's like, away in a manger. No, she goes, you're going to be okay. I got you. Let's um, rewind that real quick. Lisa, Lisa says you're going to be okay. I got you after Jen just says some of the in most insane. And listen, I know she's a criminal. She's guilty, but she's still giving us gold. I'm not, I mean, I did not say, but to say your fat fucking elf on the shelf husband 
is going to feed you and put you on a fucking yacht, bitch? Well, guess what? You're a cheap motherfucking date. Quentin Tarantino couldn't write dialogue like that. I mean, that is next. That could win. I would see a play without it. I would like, I'd be like, oh shit, who wrote that? That's like really good writing. And I don't know if Jen just comes up with this on the fly or if she practices at home. She's like, I'm going to call him a fat fucking elf on the shelf. But it is gold, baby. That that's money in the bank. That's money in put that money on your books, your prison books. And I love that Lisa's so scared that she's like, "You're gonna be okay. I got you." Angie H and Whitney finish their routine, and the judges cheer. Lisa and Jen walk back to join Dina, Angie K, and Meredith. And Lisa goes, "Hey, how's it going?" Heather, Angie H, and Whitney also walk in, walk back in, and the ladies are trying to squeeze together on these small couches and chairs. Jen sits, and then Heather sits in the chair next to her. Angie H sits in Heather's lap and whispers, I love you, to Heather. And Heather says, I love you too. I can't wait to be on the yacht with your fat fucking elf on the shelf husband. Jen in a confessional goes, first of all, Heather, you were already sending a message to me that you're okay with all of this. She's literally sitting in your lap like you might as well breastfeed her. And I was like, that would kind of be cool to see. Like, we don't really see that a lot. Like, a grown woman breastfeeding another grown woman. Like, not saying it's right. I'm just saying it would be cool to see in a housewife show. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, Jen, don't give us don't give us good ideas like that because that sounds awesome. Angie K goes, are you feeling better now? And Jen goes, I'm not feeling better. I'm just calm now. And Angie K goes, good. And Jen goes, I was very triggered when I went out there. And her voice is breaking. Shaw is our last name. So when someone types in at Shaw exposed because Chris thinks this is just, I need to protect my wife. What he's saying is that I don't matter, but you do. And she points at Angie H. Angie H goes, I'm so sorry. I, 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 I don't want to see you raw. I appreciate this more than anything. Lisa in a confessional goes, this is unbelievable. Your husband created this page to troll me. Where's my apology? I love Lisa Barlow that she's like, wait a sec. Why didn't you call it Barlow Exposed? Like that, it hurts because you really focus a lot about me on the page, but you call it Shaw Exposed. Why not give me the name credit on the account? And I also love that Jen Shaw literally is picturing people typing in. Like, you know, how I use Instagram is I dick around and I make stupid memes. But usually I've never, even when before the meme, you know, my meme year started, I never once was like, let me just type in random things like at Shaw exposed, like at S8. Like, I've never done that. So I love that she thinks she's like people are just randomly typing that in and like popping on that account. Uh, Jen goes, what hurt me the most while I was back there crying, Heather, is you. You come out there and you go, Jen, he, she did, he, she didn't do it. He apologized. They said, sorry, that's it. Heather looks stunned. And Heather's like, that was the only thing I said. I did not say that's it. And Jen goes, it sounded like you were dismissing everything that I feel. And Heather goes, no, not at all, not at all. And Angie H goes, she helped. You have been nothing but lovely to us and to my husband, and he cares about you, and he did not show it in an appropriate way. They show Lisa looking obviously annoyed and pissed off. Lisa gets up, and Angie K goes, let's go. And Lisa goes, yeah, I'm like, seriously. And Jen's like, Lisa, you can't leave. Lisa's like, I'm done with this. It's like, not okay. You can't just say sorry. You keep doing 
the same thing over and Angie H goes, what do you want me to do? You bully everyone online. I don't bully anybody online and I only have one account and it's got my face on it, Angie. You're a fucking liar. Away in the manger, no. Um, and so it's getting really good. Like, you're a fucking liar. And Angie H goes, well, what did you just do on Twitter? And Lisa goes, I posted the truth. She used her dad's death to lie about me. And Heather's like, you said you were my friend. You cared about me. And then you went on social media and showed exactly the opposite. So you were fake. And Lisa goes, I told the truth. If you don't like the truth, don't ask for it. I'm telling you the truth. I don't fucking lie. And Heather's like, the truth is you have no friends left. Lisa and Heather rolls her eyes and Lisa goes, okay, that's like, did you guys just hear this? Heather just said, the truth is I have no friends left. Who's not my friend here? Raise your hand. And I was like, oh shit. Like this, oh, guys, take a second. Like this is a good scene. Like you, you know, like you guys got to like start appreciating good work because this is great work right here. This is a good, solid scene. We've got good banter. We've got the ladies playing off each other. We've got group interaction. We've got a silly activity. We've got singing. Like, this is good. You know what I'm saying? This is good. Um, and Heather and Angie H raised their hand. Raise their hands and Lisa goes, Heather, you know what? I want to stay in a good place with you because I want to be in your choir. I told you that at skiing. I said it has to be based on the truth. And if you lie about me, I have to be able to clear my name. It doesn't take me backwards. It makes it so I'm clear. Angie and H and Heather stand up. The rest of the women follow. Lisa walks over to Heather. You said I was not there for you when your dad died. And Heather goes, you weren't. And I texted you when I found out he was in the hospital. And I texted you the day he passed. And I should not have posted what that, and and I should not have posted what was online. But I don't want you to lie about me. And Heather goes, listen, you're welcome to post. It's all public information. I was mistaken because I got that text when we were surrounding his bedside and he was on hospice. And you said, I hope your dad's feeling better. And it felt callous and like a little bit of cover your ass. Heather, Heather, Heather. No, it was not. It was, it's fine. It's fine. You're allowed to clear your name and your name is cleared. And I lied and you're the best and you're awesome. And your character is in perfect standing. No, this isn't how it goes. You know, Lisa is just like kind of bummed because she's like, this does affect my choir getting in, you know, like I'm, this is going to affect my audition. Heather in a confessional goes, fuck you and your stupid ass text. You're missing the big picture. You're clearing your name, but you're totally devastating my feelings. All the ladies have gotten up and left during that conversation. Commercial break. We come back, you guys. Okay. Let's just get in. Let's just rip this bandaid off. And I just want to, if there's families listening to this, get the kids out of the room. Okay. I want everybody, I just want adults in here. We're going to talk about adult subject matter. We're going to talk about stuff that is horrifying, stuff that's disgusting, stuff that shouldn't be on airwaves, okay? Are the kids out? And if there are still kids here, just means you're super cool. High five. (laughs) No, we return to Meredith and Seth's house, and we see Seth in a bathtub and Meredith standing beside her her bosoms engorged and Seth goes come on girl and Meredith's like why are you putting in cold water because it's so damn hot and Meredith goes I like it that way and then Seth goes it's about to get hotter in Canton Ohio where I work with 4,000 employees and Meredith laughs and we see her title card come up and the next scene she's in the tub 
Like, so what happened? Like, does like the crew go out of the room when she gets in the tub? Like, how do they do that? Or is she like, I'm good. The crew can see me nakies. It's fine. And Seth goes, what's going on? And Meredith goes, with what? You. They're both in the bathtub. Nakies, you guys. They're fully nakies. That's naked. That's how men say it, Nakies. And um, Seth goes, uh, Meredith goes, my life, you mean? My life, is that what you mean? And Seth goes, yeah. And Meredith goes, I have so much to tell you. You've been gone. You abandoned me for four days. And Seth goes, it's called work. And Meredith goes, I know, but I've gotten used to you being around more. I don't like it when you leave. Already not loving the direction this conversation, because it's like that flirty kind of talk that you shouldn't have in water you know the last time i was this infuriated was in titanic when it was like that whole well we're not going to get into that right now the, the never let go thing you know it just brings back bad memories and i truly feel this was disastrous uh water scene just like titanic like this truly nothing this is truly a tragedy the, the likes we haven't seen since the titanic this bathtub work and what is it with Meredith in a bathtub, too? It really seems like she lights up in a bathtub. And just imagine this. And I know a lot of you girls like your bath bombs and your bath, you know, all that stuff. Great. Awesome. But just now, you're, you're sitting not only in Meredith's filth, you're sitting in Seth's filth, too. And he was in Canton, Ohio earlier, probably that week, busy working with his 4,000 employees, a lot, of, a lot of grime, a lot of grit. And they're just they're just sitting in filth right now, and they're they're trying to have sexy time in front of a camera, and I don't like it at all. And I blame Tamara and Eddie Judge. I just I blame them because they did this bathtub scene a long time ago in Real Housewives of Orange County, and ever since then people feel like it's all right to just willy nilly do bathtub scenes and bathtub work, and I'm not here for it. And um, Seth goes, "That's amazing, thank you. I hate being away from you." Meredith in a confessional was like. Because of Seth's business, he's usually gone for about four days, twice a month, and I miss him when he's gone. Great confessional line, Meredith, because Meredith's trying to let us know, like, remember, he does have a job, not like when Lisa Barlow had the hot mic moment, and I also love my husband very much. I'm not fucking half of New York, like Lisa Barlow said in the hot mic moment. Seth goes, just catch me up. <laughs> and Meredith looks at him and laughs. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. You can already tell something bad's about to happen. And that's when we get this. Catch me up without your toe in my butt, Seth says. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. My booty is bootless. Seth. Can you handle this? Meredith, can you handle this? I don't think you can handle this. Ooh. And Meredith <laughs> Meredith goes, So Brixie, I think, is coming out to visit soon. And Seth starts laughing. <laughs> I mean, first off, Meredith's toe is in Seth's anal cavity. And then Meredith brings up their son. And Seth goes, please don't put your foot near my taint while you're talking about our children. I just that we have to set rules if we're going to talk about it. Meredith goes, I'm just putting it under your butt so I don't slip. Does she mean like she's scared of drowning? Is that what? So I don't slip. So anyway, I started to tell you a little bit earlier today 
There's definitely some tension between Heather and Jen. This all ties back to the Finsta. Jen says that Heather didn't support her, and Heather said she didn't. And I know that Heather, you know, is very loyal to Jen, but I also know she really likes Angie a lot. I mean, I'm sure that Heather probably didn't go as hard because it's uncomfortable being in the middle of two people who, you know, are good friends with, but it seems like for her not to support Jen at all would be really surprising too because she has been, like, super, super supportive of Jen, like, blindly supportive, you know? Like, she's just like, I don't care what happens, what you do. I'm here for you no matter what, basically. And Seth goes, seriously, it's fully, you've put two toads in my butt now. Please don't do three, please. And we hear the Jaws theme. And Seth's butthole just breaks wide open and we get water and flooding. Never know. Seth goes, but she goes way back with Angie too, right? But you know, that's like already, I'm just picturing, like just picture like if we saw underneath, just like, and this is for the YouTube audience, you know, just a toe just going like, and, you know, like just Seth is there trying to like listen to his wife, but also getting like toe fucked. And it's, I haven't been able to sleep since last Wednesday. That's all I'm going to say. And Meredith goes, yeah, Heather and Angie are new friends. Meredith in a confessional goes, Heather's not in a great position, just like Seth in this bathtub. And it's very tough to be in the middle of two close friends that are fighting. Believe me, I know. I went through it with Lisa and Mary. We get a flashback to last season and Lisa going, I'm kind to everyone. And Mary's like, no, you're not. Lisa's like, Mary, you're fake as fuck. And Mary's like, and you're real? And Lisa goes, Meredith, is this okay? She's so nice. She's so nice. Nice. She's kind. And Meredith in a confessional goes, and that didn't end well, did it? We're back in the bathtub. Seth's like, I honestly think me, you, Heather, Jen, and Coach should get in this bath and just work all this shit out. Dude, Seth isn't even a closeted freak, dude. Seth is a freak without a leash. Seth is just in that bathtub going, I don't care if you jam too feet in my rectum like i want coaches feet in my rectum too let's work this stuff out with our anal cavities and it's just horrific and meredith goes okay that's not normal <laughs> and meredith says with three uh, of her you know toes in seth's behind and seth laughs no no don't kick don't kick so now i'm just picturing little toes in seth's butthole kicking kicking the poor man's butthole and we just see them playing and laughing in the bathtub. It's just so horrible, you guys. It's it's really if I do if I do start a GoFundMe at any point, it'll probably be to just try to get stuff like this off TV. And I just oh, I'm looking out not just for you guys, not for me. It's for the kids. The children are our future. You know, let them lead the way. But we're not doing them any justice with this kind of trash on TV. We got to get it off. <laughs> Okay, so we're in a new scene. We see aerial shots of the city, a busy freeway, and then a construction site. We see Heather and Dre pulling up. Ba basically, this is just their new building that they've been building. We meet David, the regional VP of asset management. And this is like, guys, it looks like they're building fucking Disneyland. Like Beauty Lab and Laser all of a sudden has moved from like a strip mall to this. I mean, to, to me, this looked like the Mall of America. I was like, holy shit, how much Botox are you guys doing? I think it's just one price store in the midst of like a building of a lot of stores. But to me, I was like, welcome to Beauty Lab and Laser. And I was like, is this what the fuck is this? But it, it literally just talks about their success store, uh, the success story of Beauty Lab and Laser. 
Um, they actually walk to their space, so it really is just a space. But it's huge, you guys. And Heather's like, this is intimidating, but I would love to do a walkthrough. So they do a walkthrough. We see the floor plans. And Heather's like, um, okay, even though it's a little bit more of a drive for us, we're going to still visit. This is the stepsister of Beauty Lab. It's like my heart and soul is at that location. Heather in a confessional goes, the truth is, this is my second chapter, and I have so many huge, huge projects going on. I don't feel like I have time for the petty bullshit. <laughs> but I love that Heather's like, but I will fully, though, participate in it. Like <laughs> Heather says, it's going to be bigger and more beautiful and much more grandiose. Like I feel like it's going to get like the Mormon, the Mormon temples eventually. Um, so Heather says, I'm not trying to actively have conflict with any of these women, and yet every time I try to do something positive to get us together, they lead with how I've done them wrong, and I don't know how to fix it with my friends. What has always worked for me before doesn't seem to be landing. And uh, we cut to commercial break, so that whole thing was just about the store. We come back, we return to the night views of beautiful Salt Lake City. We hear one Jen Shaw screaming at her family on a side street. No, we see Lisa and John walking hand in hand to a restaurant called Market Street Street Grill. And Lisa goes, do you know what's so cute? I took Henry to get like treats last night. And he's like, don't get out of the car. And I'm like, okay. He wanted to open the door for me. They walk. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, they order a drink. Guess what Lisa orders? Yeah. She's like, I'm definitely going to have a Vita cocktail. Vita tequila is the number one. And Keo's like, the waiter's like, I have a lavender one. It's called the Lavenda Vita. And Lisa goes, 100%. And John's like, let me get the same one. Yeah, I'll get the same one. And Lisa's like, that's like my favorite cocktail here. And Keo's like, it's one of our best sellers. And then winks at the camera. And Lisa goes, I love that. Lisa goes, I don't think this guy realizes we own Vita Tequila. And no, he's not on my payroll, she says in a confessional. I don't have to fuck him, like Meredith says. So John and Lisa order their food. Um, and Lisa goes, I love my new bracelet. Thank you. A Chiron comes up saying, Lorraine. Ada Bengal, $6,900. So this is one of those things where Lisa, it's like Meredith and Lisa are kind of playing the same game. I just think Lisa's funnier at it, where they're trying to show that their life is awesome, that they nothing is true of the rumors you hear. And John's like, awesome. It looks good. It's pretty cool. And Lisa's like, pretty. And John goes, looks very pretty. Lisa goes, I love when it's just us. And John goes, I know it's strange. Should we get rid of our kids? No. She goes, um, so I talked with my sister today and we flash back to last episode. Lisa's on the phone with her brother, Brian, and they're talking about her sister, Gina. And Lisa is, you know, talking about her sister getting a divorce. And the waiter brings the Vita cocktails. Everybody orgasms. It's a big moment. And Lisa goes, I've always said, like, I grew up with a built-in friend group because of my family. And to have them so sad, like, just makes me so sad. And John's like, you know, with your sisters, there's no disrespect to them. And as you try to take their emotions and everything on yourself, they're going to let you do it. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Because that takes more burden off of them. Yeah, I did it with my friendships. I do it with my siblings. And not well. Not only that, like I struggled with this. After I got divorced and I was trying to figure my life out, figure myself out, you know, I read a lot, kind of like healing books like John Grisham, Michael Crichton, and it taught me that you're not disliking anybody or not loving them by not letting them invade your space. I love John Barlow. I love, he, you know, I just love that he speaks quietly. I like 
like that he reads his self-help books. I forgot that he had been divorced before. John in a confessional goes, Lisa being there for her sisters takes a toll on us. Maybe it's me being selfish, but I think there are times when Jack and Henry and I all do wish that she would just not answer. Which I was like, damn. And then he goes, <laughs> I was like, that is weirdly evil. Okay. The waiter brings the food to the table and is like, oh, it looks amazing. Thank you. And John's like, you have to look in the mirror and remind yourself it's okay to do stuff for myself. And Lisa, like, that's like nipples hard. She's like, I remember going to church and thinking like the one thing that makes me feel the best is our like relationship with God. And John's like, mm-hmm. And I feel like I've let that go a little bit and it gets me emotional because it's so important. And John's like, so do you feel you've moved away from something? or because to me you haven't no it's just like i haven't been as like um solid like i think that's where it's like now i know it's there okay so i haven't like focused on it as much but i feel like for me like that's where i feel happiness and like peace lisa in a confessional her voice is breaking she's like i'm very important to god and like very connected and so like when i don't feel like i'm in that space i don't feel like me listen how amazing of that. Lisa Barlow's having the episode of a lifetime goes, I'm very important to God. I'm very, like, I love it. It usually would be for most people, God's very important to me. But for her, I'm very important to God. And technically, she's right. Fully right. I was talking to my sister tonight about that. I'll talk more about that Wednesday. I want to talk to you about that because I had a, a good conversation with my sister. But we talked a lot about God. And... um I just love the I'm very important to God. I love that kind of confidence because, you know, God does love Lisa Barlow. Lisa goes, I like talking to you about this stuff, and I feel like it's a good reset and reminder, you know. And John goes, I'm happy to talk anytime if you're ready to listen. Oh, my gosh. Ha, 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 ha. Side note, we see John put his card in the little tray to pay for the meal, and Lisa has literally not even touched her food. The lobster tail and the steak are just sitting there, and... I mean, we all, Laura Beth put this in her notes. I think we're all thinking it. We, ho we hope, we pray she took it home because I'm I'm scared she ordered this. And then she's like, John, I'd like to go to Popeye's on the way home and get a soda at 7-Eleven. Those toilets at the Barlow's have to be just wild. I mean, you know, I mean, we're not talking Jana Kramer asparagus wild, but wild all the same. So new scene, we arrive at Jen's house. Jen's like, want some tea babe and her voice is hoarse and raspy and coach Shaw's like i do what's wrong with your voice and he's like okay first of all i was getting everybody hyped up about the choir audition and i have a little cold i was in my element honey this is what i was born to do for real though honey and coach is like well hopefully they have some stuff in prison where you can no coach is like yeah and jen's like i'm like the polynesian ryan seacrest but i'm a girl and then Coach Shaw's like, so you're the Regina Seacrest. And Jen goes, who's Regina? And Coach is like, that's the female version of Ryan. And I'm like, no, you guys, I'm the female version of Ryan. And Jen goes, oh, you just made that up. And Coach Shaw goes, right now. And Jen goes, okay. Coach Shaw goes, because, I mean, that's where we're going, right? Yes. And who, who was at the auditions? Well, there were some people I knew and some people I didn't know. Lisa was there. Did Lisa try out? Lisa tried out. Um, Angie Harrington was there. Angie K basically confronted Angie Harrington and said, why would you start a fake IG account called At Shaw Exposed? Then she basically was like, well, I didn't set it up. My husband did it. He did set it up. And Coach Shaw says, it upsets me more than you'll ever know. 
that a grown man would stoop this low. (laughs) Coach's voice is getting loud. He's very emotional about this. He has been coached. Uh, Coached has been coached in the scene. You just jump on the bandwagon and make these horrible character assassination with at-shaw exposed attempts. And he piles it on. Because what these people will never understand is that which straw breaks the camel's back? Which insult, which post is the one that causes you to say, I'm tired of it, and then hurt yourself or do something that you can't come back from? Coach Shaw in a confessional goes, this is so low. Why would you do that? What, 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 what did my wife do to you? You know, what, what, what did we do to you? And then back in the scene, Coach Shaw's like, this is unbelievably serious to me. And I have the most forgiving heart. And he's like looking directly at the camera. Jen goes, I know, I know. And Coach Shaw goes, and if I can forgive, if you take, the, I, and I can forgive, if you take the same measure, take the same measure, you sought public attention, Take the same public apology. And Jen goes, I agree. Coach Shaw's like, if you're guilty of trial, you got to apologize too. No, that's too far. I can't do that. No, he goes, she goes, I agree. And Coach Shaw goes, take the same public apology and keep that apology up for as long as that account was up. Your actions will speak louder than anything you can tell me. Anything. Side note, guys, the account at Shaw Exposed is still up. I'm not sure who runs it now, but they have 962 followers as of today, which was a couple of days ago. Let me see where they're at right now. Um, Let's see. At Shaw Exposed. At Shaw. Oh. Oh, it's X. Yeah, Shaw. No, Shaw. Yeah, it's where it gets tricky. It's not EX. It's Exposed. Okay, yeah, it's still up. 1,022 followers. So it went up uh, like 60 followers. It's following 10 people. It follows Angie Harrington. (laughs) Okay, Angie Harrington has 129,000 followers, which means she bought followers. Um, That's hysterical. Angie totally bought followers. Uh, Meredith, she follows Meredith. She follows Heather. She follows Jen Shaw. Oh, my God. She follows bad girl Riri. She follows Jen Shaw official fan page, Jen Shaw Squad, Mary M. Cosby, Tamara Judge, and Cyst and Deceased. I love... Oh, my God. This is truly amazing. I haven't followed it because there's no posts up there. Um, or posts, I guess you probably have to follow it to see the... No, there's zero posts. It says zero posts. So uh, Laura Beth said their posts are mostly pro-Gen and pro-Angie H and anti-Lisa and Whitney. So it looks like they deleted all of their posts. So Coach Sean, a confession, was like, because of the online bullying, it's been multiple times I find her laying in the fetal position. I just don't think she is equipped to with to deal with so much dislike, so much hate. And I get this, dude. I get this, but I do need to point out that Jen Shaw herself gives out so much hate, so much yelling, so much drama that you are sometimes a mirror and you reflect what you give. And and so sometimes I'm like, coach, you know who this woman is. And I know you know the good and the bad sides of her, but you can't say that she is just completely innocent. I understand that you're scared of what will be the straw that breaks the camel's back, but also you've got to be thinking... Well, how many camel's backs has Jen Shaw broken? 
a lot. We've heard a lot of content from her where she has said the most vicious things to people. What about their camel's backs? Am I still using the camel metaphor or analogy? Am I still using this right? Anyways, Jen goes, and then Heather walks out, and Coach is like, during all of this? And Jen goes, during this, to see what's going on. Heather's well aware, because she knows. I told her. Heather walks out, and Heather goes, Jen, just forgive them. They said sorry. Forgive them and move on. And Coach Shaw looks surprised and shakes his head. And Jen goes, I was so fucking hurt, but she did that. That was Wednesday. Thursday, Heather sends me flowers. An image of the flowers come on screen with the Chiron says, Heather's sorry, I wasn't sorry, but now I am flowers. (laughs) And Jen goes, I'm so confused because I'm like, hold on one second. If you're sending me flowers, you're telling me you love me. But how come you couldn't stand up for what was right and wrong in that moment? And Coach is like, shakes his head. Going forward, you will never suppress how you feel about the treatment from the people that they call themselves your friend. If it's not right and it doesn't feel right, you're just going to know about it right now. And if the response doesn't feel good, it's just not justified in your heart, then maybe I need to get a new damn friend. And Coach crosses his arms, so you know he means business. We come back, we return to a new day in Salt Lake City. It's a new day, you guys. The sun's shining, we head to a park, and Lisa's playing basketball with Henry. You didn't want me to let you win. Henry shoots a layup and makes it nice. And Henry goes, that wasn't that nice. This was this is not the fudge college kid. Fudge college, mom. Henry shoots again, makes it. And Lisa goes, that was nice. Whitney pulls up and Brooks gets out the her son. And Whitney goes, all right, Brooks, you ready? Hello. Hey, I'm getting schooled in basketball. Nice. Oh, my gosh. I brought some scooters. Oh, amazing. I brought Henry's too. Hey. They do a woman hug. Whitney in a confessional goes, if you had told me a year ago that Lisa and I would be friends, I would have just laughed. Ha ha ha. At you in the face. Lisa definitely has like a big sister energy. And that used to trigger me like she was looking down on me. We get a flashback of like that kind of stuff. And Whitney goes, but now I see and understand she actually does care a lot. It's just sometimes words get in the way of that. Lisa goes, so what are we doing basketball? Okay, Henry and Whitney against me and Brooks. We see a montage of the basketball game. It's one of the most intense games I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Heather breaks a leg. Uh, You know, you just see just like fouls are being called right and left. The score is like 83 to 75. It's just getting closer. People are betting on the game. People from all over the town. Like there's at least a thousand people. No, none of that happened. Just a stupid little kid adult game and they, Lisa's like they beat us but we still rock right Brooks and Brooks is like yeah and the boys go off to ride their scooters and Lisa and Whitney sit down on a blanket to chat and Lisa's so how's everything going uh I think it's been non-stop craziness but good like overall good but definitely in the thick of transition and change and Lisa's like is Justin like is is it sitting in with him now yeah he's doing like things normally he wouldn't have time to do lisa's like oh that's amazing mr mom daddy daycare daddy carpool and we see a montage of whitney showing justin how to use the washing machine the kids torturing justin in the kitchen and then justin trying to get the kids into the car and whitney goes and sometimes it doesn't always get done how i want it but it's getting done and lisa goes ha 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 whitney's like and he's just being super supportive of me and hustling and going and working hard for wild rose beauty and lisa goes yeah but i feel a lot of pressure because now i'm the sole provider of the family yeah you're gonna do great 
right though it's hard like you know with the family stuff like i'm feeling it too like my sister's in the middle of a divorce and like i'm just trying to figure out ways like we have empathy but not carry the weight of it awesome move by lisa barlow just from a sports standpoint she 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 accepts whitney's talk about her relationship but then gets right in there with what's going on with her and when he goes yeah because if you carry around that emotion that's what turns into disease which i was like don't whitney don't do a lisa rena of like it's gonna give me cancer if i keep it in (laughs) and lisa goes yeah and when he goes and that's where when we have health problems (laughs) by the way laura beth but she put in a picture of Lisa Rinna going, I'm not going to take it to my grave because I'd get sick and get cancer and die if I didn't express this. Uh, Lisa Rinna. When he goes, I really learned that over the last couple of months that I was carrying a lot from my childhood. And Lisa goes, how are you letting go of it? Like, what are you doing? And when he's like, it's practice. It's something I practice every day. Uh-huh. And just connecting with Curtis. I still talk to him like quite a big couple times a week. A picture of Kelly, Whitney, and Curtis from their Scottsdale trip comes up on screen. And Whitney's like, especially when I'm feeling like I need encouragement or I'm feeling like weak, I reach out to Curtis and he helps me keep my mindset strong. And Lisa goes, you know, it's funny that you brought that up. I'm about to talk about myself again because I went to dinner with John this week and I wasn't like feeling good. And then I was like, what am I missing? And like, it just keeps coming back to me. It does keep coming. It's like, I want a different relationship with God than I have. Like, is that weird? I mean, it's a little weird in the context of this conversation. Like, Whitney's fully opening it up. She's like, anyways, back to me. What's going on with me and God? Have you heard the hot goss? And Whitney's like, no, that's not weird. And Whitney goes, even though it's not for me, I have zero hatred in my heart towards the church. I think Lisa is Mormon because she loves God and she loves the community. Like, good for her. Whitney and Lisa finally start paying attention to their children and they realize that they've been, uh, they're gone. They're they're not there. No. Lisa goes, Henry, be careful, okay? And Henry goes, I know, because I love you. And Whitney goes, where is Brooks? Oh, so do you feel like you weren't grounded? You weren't connected? I think the thing for me is, you probably can understand this too, is like, I was like feeling like I'm not me. Yeah. I would normally never put up with certain things. I'm absorbing too much and it just feels like I need a shift. Like, for example, with Heather, like I still choose to be there for Heather. Like out of anyone that should not have shown up for those auditions, it should have been me. Like, yeah, that was a bold move. And Heather used something so sensitive to disparage my name and character and that bothers me. Like if you didn't use your dad to lie about me, I like when she goes lie about me. You lie about me. I would not have ever used your dad to tell the truth about me. And her dad should have been off limits for her but i have done nothing to not merit being friends with her i have done nothing for anyone to say in the most ridiculous childish way who doesn't want to be friends with lisa because that's what she said at the choir auditions and lisa goes i'm embarrassed for the people that raise their hands i deserve better than this i mean two people raise their hands that's not a big deal lisa in a confessional goes you know i have zero i have no problem keeping people in check i've tried to have a productive conversation with heather they just don't always go well like heather has zero accountability and she creates a narrative and if you disagree with it she cuts you off and when he's like i feel like you and i have a lot more in common than we realize yeah 
we both like me. And Whitney goes, because in different ways, we do take on things that we shouldn't. Yeah. Because what I'm learning and I'm like hearing you right now, it's like you can be a good friend and be supportive, but not take it on. Yeah. Take it on or take abuse. But that's a boundary because I love Heather. And ultimately, like, I would love to maintain my friendship with her at the level, but this situation with her has been really difficult for me to navigate. Which part? We were such good friends. We talked every day. Like, we were so close. Whitney in a confessional. I hate being in this uncomfortable gray era. Era area with Heather. I really wish that we could just like work through this because I value her friendship, but maybe I should just fucking believe her. Like I lost her forever. And when he goes, it's just hard because I'm trying my best to not be a people pleaser and just get along to get along, just go along to get along. Uh Uh-huh. But everything with Justin parting ways with his former employer, like she didn't call me, like there's been space and I haven't really understood why. This is new to me and I don't know how to feel about it. Like it's uncomfortable because it's the first time we've been in this situation. Well, welcome to my world for three years. We go to commercial break. We come back, you guys. Last scene of the show, we return to a snowy night sky. We see Whitney pulling up to Heather's house. She knocks on the door. The lady's greedy other and Whitney comes inside. And it's like, how are you? I'm dying. I'm like overwhelmed by life, kids, friends. And just in the meantime, I'm trying to run beauty lab and write this book. And Whitney's like, can I get a water? Yeah, yeah, you can get a water, sure. Heather in a confessional goes, I know that Whitney and I are perfect right now, but she really showed up for me at those auditions. I love how everybody showed up. Like 10 people showed up. I haven't really been able to talk to her since then when everything came to pieces. So I miss bad weather. It's been clear skies for far too long. It's time for a tornado. And the ladies are sitting on the couch together and they notice they're wearing matching rings. And Whitney goes, "Um, I want you to know something. I'm not here to fight with you. I'm just here to... Be real. Like, we're friends and we can talk through hard things, right? Absolutely, Heather says. And I would not be here if I don't care. In fact, on the way over, I was kind of like, why am I chasing Heather down? And Heather looks disgusted. I thought we were in this absolutely together. I don't think you're coming over chasing me down. Yeah, but hear me out why I feel this way. It's because since Phoenix, I've just had so many big things in my life happen, like discovering that I am traumatized by abuse I experienced as a child. Well, I'm trying to desperately be there for you, Whitney. I know that I did a lot of things wrong in Arizona, but like more shit has happened since then. Like when Justin was fired, like you didn't call me. Heather looks stunned. I didn't know Justin was fired. I had no idea. I've wanted to, like, pick up the phone and call you, but there has been a disconnect. There's been a space that we haven't had before. Do I think it's stemming from the girl's trip? Yeah, I don't think you understand where I was coming from in my life and at that point in time and how devastating it was to me and how much it hurt me. And Heather goes, see, that makes me really feel confused because you had a dance routine. You dressed up like that. Like, like that's someone that loves me that doesn't feel distance. That is true. I, you know, when I, when I dress up in spangly things, I'm like, there's no distance. You know that I'm fully into it. That is my friend. That doesn't say I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you my husband lost his job because you've been so shitty. So Heather's pushing back against Whitney and Whitney goes, yeah, but you had an event. I showed up in support for you and I'm coming to tell you. And Heather's like, but you've been harboring pain this whole time. I'm not harboring. I'm just calling out the awkwardness. I'm glad I had an event that you could show up for and like be a hero. And I'm the asshole that ignored you for two weeks. Whitney rolls her eyes like, eh, and throws her head back. And she goes, it's not like that, Heather. Whitney in a confessional goes, 
This reaction is the reason that I have been waiting to have this conversation with Heather. When things get hard or get a little bit uncomfortable, she shuts down and stops listening listening, and stops hearing what I'm saying. And Heather's like, it's hard for Lisa to let th- things go too. We were both making progress with Lisa. And now I feel like, well, shit, like, how is this going to work for me? And Heather goes, you feel like you're stuck in between loyalty to Lisa or me? No, because the whole Twitter thing came out of nowhere, and I was upset with her about that too. But she also felt like she was defending herself, and I can't argue that. We're not hearing Lisa's side of it. No, yeah, we're not, Whitney. Like, she's being accused of being a liar. She is a liar. She wasn't there for me when my dad died, and I love that you're bringing up how right she was with the way she hurt me. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to understand. Just listen to me. Listen to my feelings, Whitney. Even though I'm good with my words, I also have feelings that I would like to be heard. You would want you want to walk in and be like, not only are you a bad friend, but you have also completely ignored me in a huge crisis, which is unfair and untrue. And that crushes me that you would take the opportunity to exploit me like that. No, I'm not exploiting you, Heather. I'm not exploiting you. It makes it look like I have been a bad friend to you and I have ignored you and I have not been there for you. How did you not know? Let's take another step back. Because I didn't find out on social media that Justin was fired. How did you not know that I was going through all this? That that right there is the dinger. If you want me to know something and it's painful and hurtful that I'm not responsive, tell me. I'm in trouble for a rumor I never heard. I'm in trouble for a horrible event in your life that I didn't know about. I'm sorry that I'm not well-versed in the gossip mill and that Lisa's not calling me to tell me all this shit that goes wrong in your life every single day, okay? I don't want to sit here with you, my best friend and cousin, and have you sit on my couch and explain to me how I shouldn't be hurt by what Lisa did. It should be very clear to you. This is a conversation, and the fact that you want to talk it out and represent for her is deeply offensive to me. I'm not representing for anyone but myself. Heather gets up off the couch. Well, you know what? You're repping for yourself now, girl. You're not repping for me. Heather in a confessional goes, how did we get here? Because the Whitney that I remember and the Whitney that I love would just sit here and help me process everything I'm feeling. She wouldn't school me on Lisa's right to tweet. Whitney goes, anytime I bring up Lisa, it's like I'm having Lisa's back. I'm trying to understand what the lie was, Heather. Heather storms off. And Heather's like, what? I don't know why this conversation is worth the lie. Whitney goes, I think she keeps saying because that's what the whole tweet was about. And Heather goes, the lie was when I said to her in L.A. my dad died and she, you, you texted me two days later. That was a lie. Whitney in a confessional was like, I don't know what is going on in Heather's life, but clearly something big is going on because I do not recognize Heather. Heather goes, I am so tired. I'm done. Thanks for coming. Heather walks into her bedroom and slams the door. Whitney goes... Heather, it's not a game, babe. Whitney walks to Heather's door to try to go in, and Heather goes, I honestly, like, I know it's not a game. Heather takes off her mic pack and throws it down the hall like Lisa Barlow, and Heather goes, I am done. I'm done. I've done my job today. I'm trying to navigate the situation. And Heather's like, and, like, thanks to everyone for being here. Goodbye. Heather pushes Whitney away and slams her door again, and Whitney walks down the hall. Jen should be fined by the Bravo committee for throwing off her mic pack. That's a no-no in Bravo land. Next time on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Jen and Whitney are skiing together. Jen falls off the side of a hill, LOL. The choir is singing. It includes Heather, Dre, Jen, both Angie's, Whitney, and some men. Heather and Jen are talking, and Heather's like, I'm not sure how to resolve this. And Jen's like, I don't want 
a friendship based on lies, Heather. I just think, I like, do you like me? And then Jen and Angie Kay are in the car together, and Angie Kay goes, Dan, I brought up the situation at the choir audition saying, well, what was that all about with Jen bullying Angie? Then we see Meredith eating with Dana and getting a FaceTime call. Jen and Angie Kay are together in the pool, and Meredith goes, hello. And Jen goes, we're calling to invite you to San Diego. Um, I love that they can't travel overseas because of... Jen Shaw's court stuff. Meredith goes, look who I have here. And Dana goes, hi, guys. And Jen goes, Dana, I would invite you, except I heard you were talking shit, girl. And Dana goes, I don't tolerate stuff like that. And Jen goes, Dana, we're done. And Meredith goes, listen for a sec. And then we see Jen's out of the pool and upset. And Jen's like, I'm not going to perpetuate this. And Angie K goes, Jen, Jen, she doesn't matter. Fuck her. Nobody cares what she says. End of show you guys what a show we had today what a long show what a long form podcast you heard today if you like this please rate it five stars on apple Podcasts and spotify thank you to our guest today aja touré from real girlfriends in paris please go check it out i'm telling you it is well worth it she is just a star and uh, i hope you enjoyed the salt lake and i will talk to you on wednesday with a great guest and we got we're going to be doing shows until the end of time. So uh, buckle up, folks. I hope you have a great Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Bye. Betches.